Hey, Jane Jack listeners, John Norton here hijacking your feed to bring you a special one-off podcast that I recorded with my friend Avery about our time together working at GameStop. GameStop was my part-time job when I first moved out to Los Angeles, and I really hope you guys take a listen to this podcast, even if you've never been in a GameStop, even if you've never played a video game and you're never going to, you've sworn it off for life. I really think this is going to be a fascinating listen for you guys to understand what the realities of working in retail nowadays are. Especially when it's for a company that, uh, well, you know what? Let's just get into the show. Enjoy. It's a strange thing working for a company that people like to hate. You know, I've thought a lot about how to begin this little discussion of ours today. And if there's any sort of thesis statement to put in academic terms, I think it's that. Like, it's, it's incredibly odd working for a company that a portion of your customer base frequent solely because they despise you and rather than do what (laughs) most normal people would do which is not to patronize said business they purposely continue to do so solely so they can antagonize the people working there behind the counter like for everyone listening imagine that imagine what that must be like say you work in advertising and you have a client who hired your firm not because they like the work they do, uh, not for, you know, the usual reasons one would hire someone, but rather because they, for some reason, feel they have a vendetta against you or they've been told they should feel that way and they now can be close enough to you so they can make your life as difficult as possible for as long as they can. Like, seriously, imagine that. Imagine you lived in some sort of bizarre parallel universe where that sort of thing was common. Imagine that and you will begin to understand (laughs) what it is like working for the GameStop Corporation. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. John Norton here. I am sitting down with my friend and former co-worker, Avery. Uh, We worked at GameStop together. We met at GameStop. Uh, I worked there for four years. It was my part-time job when I first moved to Los Angeles. I've got nothing on Avery, who spent over a decade, 11 years, right? It's like like two months short of 11 years, so like 10 years, 10 months. Wow. And, you know, we've been wanting to do a show for a while to sit down and talk to everyone about our experiences there, both in the world of retail, but also specifically at the GameStop Corporation, because A, it clearly seems that the internet is abundantly fascinated by GameStop and the inner machinations of said business. But also, it's hopefully going to be a fascinating look at what it is actually like working in retail if A, you've never done it, and B, you're just sort of unfamiliar with what really goes on behind the scenes, especially with a company that, let's face it, is sort of hanging on for dear life at the moment. Uh-huh. So I want to make a few disclaimers right off the bat before we sort of get into anything. There's a lot to talk about. We are only going to be giving our firsthand accounts of things, things we've actually experienced ourselves. This is not us, you know, reading Kotaku articles and being like, well, that sounds terrible to me. Like, believe me, if you want that out there, there is plenty of content on the Internet for you, I guarantee. The other big thing I want to put out front and center is that Avery and I both left at different times because we had career opportunities in the fields that we're currently in and want to be continuing working in. Uh, which is to say neither of us were fired. Neither of us were ever let go. There was no disciplinary action of like, well, no, you, you can't fire me. I quit. Like, none of that. We both left for career opportunities. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because, look, you can go down some black holes on YouTube, on the Internet. There are a lot of former GameStop employees out there that literally, I'm not even kidding, have entire channels 
devoted to GameStop, mainly trashing GameStop, which I, I honestly is mind-blowing for me. Like, I don't understand how you have so many people who literally are putting out multiple videos a week about the same thing, I guess. I don't know. It's like, I don't know how they still have content. I don't know what they're still talking about. Like, we thought we'd get together to do one show, and like, this is, this is it. We won't have anything more to say after this. But I mean, I guess with the, the internet's fascination with GameStop and with YouTube clickbait algorithms, they're, they're getting views. I mean, there are people who, have, who are making money doing that. They have Patreon set up, whole nine yards. The thing is, with most of those people, I'm sure not all, but most that I have encountered, most of them have been fired. Now, that doesn't mean that what they're telling you is factually incorrect, but personally for me, whenever I hear that someone has been fired from a position that they are now putting out multiple videos a week trashing, I'm always assuming that, A, they clearly have a bone to pick, but also that I may not be getting the full story. That's Let me tell you, in 11 years of working there and, like, in management level, I can probably count for you on both hands the number of people that we fired. So the idea that that many people who have something to say publicly about GameStop are comprised of people who were fired, you know, it just kind of, exactly like you said, brings into question the the agenda or even the, the bias of what they're saying. And because... Yeah, you kind of have to do a lot to get fired at GameStop. And not to say people don't get fired for dumb reasons. That yeah, that that absolutely yeah. happens. GameStop and everywhere else, which we will go over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I just wonder if perhaps they were a little part of the problem. Who knows? But minimally, I want to make it clear that is not the two of us. It just doesn't mean you should necessarily believe us any more than anyone else. But I did think that was a, a reasonable enough thing to sort of put front and center. I mean, people will just, A, lie to themselves, but also just lie to everyone else very easily. I remember when I started working with you guys, there was this, he, I just knew him as a regular customer who would come in and very proudly proclaim how he used to like work here and he quit because this was ridiculous and blah, blah, blah. And you guys literally had to pull me aside and go, just FYI, didn't quit. He was fired. He deserved to be fired. Here's, I, what, here's yep, what he did. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So like those people are out there. I thought the best way to sort of go about starting this was, you know, to give a little bit of our individual history, which, you know, broke down really quickly. But one thing that I've actually noticed, and I thought this might be a good place to start, is that whenever we have talked about GameStop, you and I just individually or with other friends and coworkers who used to work there— for me personally, I just tend to remember the bad things. I tend to remember the headaches. I, you know, maybe that's just how I look at it. Maybe that's just the memories that I had there. I actually feel like you generally, at least first, tend to remember the good things. You actually start with the positives, which I think, number one, says a lot about you as a person, but I'm also assuming probably says a lot about the nature of how much that job and that business changed in the 10, 11 years you were there. I mean, w when you look at the job that you left a couple of years ago as compared to the job that you got hired for, I mean, am I right? Is it just a world of difference? It's odd in that, like, internally, if you looked at even just let's talk about metrics, things that we were concerned about, things that we were keeping daily track of, that kind of thing, from when I got hired in 2007 to when I left in 2018, yes, you're right, completely different. But the thing that doesn't make a lot of sense, and we'll get into this as we talk about more about the company later, but the kind of incongruence where they were still applying exactly the same kind of thinking. So, like, they still cared about 
the same things. Like, what are your numbers? What's your, you know, as opposed to anything like they might say something about, hey, we're changing all this. We're going to throw out our concern about the numbers because we're really interested in the customer experience, you know, that kind of thing. So there would be times where we were given a lot of lead on like spend time with customers talking, but behind closed doors and in the emails and in the write-ups and all that stuff, it was still always about the numbers. Like the idea of metrics, the specifics of the metrics changed completely, but the idea of like, there's a percentage and if you're not meeting it, you're failing. Uh, That kind of thought has always been in there, which is strange to me that they would find, you know, that they'd, they'd take all these different approaches and change things and make all these different kind of weird, almost inconsequential tweaks in other areas. But then that thing was like the, and it was the thing that people consistently were saying, like, this doesn't work. This doesn't apply. This doesn't reflect productivity, you know, that kind of thing. And now um, let's sort of timestamp this. So we're in 2007. So the 360 and the PS3 are out for like two years at this point, a year and a half, two years. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. I'm trying to, it's funny to even think about games that came out and, and remember being there for launches and then going, oh my God, that was however long ago. Because I, well, I graduated college in 2007. I'm remembering my roommate got a 360 like a year and a half earlier. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to reverse engineer the timeline a little bit here. I I wasn't a console gamer at all until I started working at GameStop. Oh, yeah, um, Avery was a big uh, PC, PC snob back then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, all that I really had. And, uh, yeah, and when I was a kid, like, one kid on the block had Nintendo, you know, and you'd be all psyched to go to their house for a party, you know, because it was like, well, I get to play. So I got, like, a trial-by-fire crash course knowledge in, um, in consoles just working at GameStop. So, um... So yeah, it was a little weird at first because I was always like selling stuff to people, but like I'm not really sure what this is. But then you could, I could talk your ear off about you know something on PC. So, um, but once, but back then too, there was actually more of a a market for that. It was actually kind of cool to have a PC specialist in the store because a good chunk of your customer base were well, playing on the PC. Well, yeah, and and this sort of goes back to to my history, which we'll get into in a little bit. But you know, I'm from the Northeast. We didn't have GameStops growing up. GameStop as a company has merged and bought out mm-hmm. several things. I grew up with Electronics Boutique, which that yeah. was video games, but also it was computer software. So it was like someone like you would have been a perfect fit for that type of store, for that incarnation of GameStop, if you want to call it that. Yeah, they kind of just kept like roping in other stores and trying to get it all under one roof. So it became the thing. I mean, and then it's odd because they've waffled back and forth from that for a long time. Um, when I was like in high school, I remember that GameStop was selling a lot of figurines and stuff because I was collecting Todd McFarlane and they had that. You know, I'd go there and try to find rare figures and stuff. And by the time I worked there, that was pretty much completely phased out. Like we were getting rid of movies. We were, it was all video games. And now you walk into a GameStop and it's like half toy store, you know? Oh yeah, if not more than. Yeah, definitely. So what brought you to GameStop? Was it something you were interested in? What was, what did they sort of sell you on the fact of like, this is what the day-to-day job is? Was anything ever explained in those? terms to you back then it's funny because it's 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 sort of weird to talk about like 12 years later because it's like now you know i i can say really clearly like i got told later why i got hired and that's not you know it didn't really come across at the time but um i had i had been out i had worked at another 
at a um, bookstore retail environment for a few years before that. And then um, I moved to L.A. and uh, from Orange County and thought that I would just kind of get another job. I didn't think it would be that difficult, but it was I was having a really hard time finding stuff. So. I kind of, I mean, gaming wasn't a huge part of my life. I just thought like, hey, this is something I, I can do. And it's specialized like books, you know. So I thought I would apply there. And the location that I applied at had just opened like two months before. So they were still fleshing out their team. I mean, I remember feeling like I breezed through the interview and they called me within a few hours and offered me the job. Very different than my hiring experience, FYI. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, def definitely different than the way that we, you know, st operated things by the time I left. But, you know, I got told later that I got hired because I was a girl and that it was about the kind of like uh, the dynamics, the, you know, diversity dynamics or that they wanted a girl around, that sort of thing, which... Um, Back when diversity just meant different kinds of white people. Exactly, exactly. Although my our, our store was fairly diverse. My ASM is Hispanic and... Um, or I guess Latinx is the, the term now. Yeah, um, we got there. But, we got there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was one of those things that sort of as soon as I got hired, it wasn't oppressive or anything, but it was such a casual environment that when I heard that, that made like a heck of a lot of sense. But later on, like as a manager, when we were hiring people, H, it could have been an HR field day, but that was something that came up in conversation about like if we had two candidates who were fairly equal and one was a girl, like the girl would almost always get hired. And it even just comes down to like customers want to interact with a girl more, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's sort of a, a little uncool, like dirty secret of GameStop. And I mean, not, once again, nothing crazy oppressive. And they were very good on having like the sexual harassment training and all that kind of stuff. But still like on an interpersonal level, you could definitely still feel that happening. Well, it had to be kind of exciting, too, with, like, the opening of a, of a new store in a, in a nice yeah. area. You know, I mean, that had in to be... a nice area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, our area was cool because we got... Well, it was actually an interesting area because it was, like, a mix of... Some people would come in and they were... I mean, you know, especially when we started taking items, um, like cell phones and stuff for trade, some people would come in and you were like, oh, no, no. <laughs> like, this person is just looking for a fix or something. And then the next person after them would be a celebrity from a TV show that you recognize, you yeah. know? That pretty um, much sums up all of Los Angeles, but yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the, yeah, the area was nice. It it was exciting, and it was a lot of fun in the beginning, because just as a GA, which is sort of the entry-level, like, game advisor position. Or now guest um, advisor, Avery. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty uh, low maintenance, you know, and pretty low responsibility. We, we and, should say, um, actually, one more quick disclaimer, as you, you can tell at this point, you know, we worked in the, I'll just say the greater Los Angeles area at a variety of stores between um, the two of us. Um, we worked at the same one together for a little while. If ever we pull our punches a little bit in terms of giving basic information, it's simply because we still have some friends of ours who still are employed by the company, and you know, certainly we don't want to make their lives any harder than we know they already are. So I just wanted to throw that out real quickly, too, before we got into anything more. And, I mean, actually, even in the case of customers, I mean, it, we can get a little bitter or rantier and, and stuff, but I would also like, you know, I'd never encourage any kind of like, you know, I wouldn't want to give any kind of, oh, I know who that person's talking about, or I know that reference or whatever, you know, so exactly. Let's just be fair to everyone. So, um, so this was in a major shopping center in a nice area of Los Angeles, but also 
any big area of Los Angeles, you're going to get all types. And that will be a running theme, I think, through many of these conversations. Yeah, and it's actually part of my experience, my kind of difference in experience from your kind of feeling negative and my feeling positive was, I mean, it sounds hokey as hell, but I do like uh, the sort of like catered customer experience. I like feeling genuinely helpful to somebody. And yeah, okay, it's video games. It's not, you know, I'm not changing anyone's life. But if it was something like helping a parent understand better so that they could get a gift that was going to like knock their kid's socks off, like that makes me feel good. Like I obviously want to be doing bigger things in my life than working in retail. So it's like with that little like, I don't know, ripple of humanity kind of thing. That was really positive. And having positive interactions with even celebrities, you know, like... There are people who are not like A-list celebrities, but they're working actors who, you know, who I'll mm-hmm. see in a TV show or a movie and I'll feel like an, a connection to. So I'll be like, oh, good for him. He got a, you know, because he was a nice guy and like, I'm rooting for you. Exactly. And it, I think they kind of appreciated too that level of customer service that was obviously like a little bit elevated, but wasn't like... I mean, ask hissy, (laughs) you know, it was just, I'm going to give you, and the thing is, is like, if I had my druthers, I would give that kind of customer service to everybody who asked for it, who warranted it in their, in their needs in an interaction, but they did not equip us at all to do that. Like we had nowhere like the staffing or hours or anything to be able to do that. And yet at the, in all the advertising, it was kind of marketed as like, this is your go-to place for your questions and answers and experience on, you know, gaming. And we weren't staffed for it. And we certainly weren't trained for it. Like, you know, when I was saying a crash course in consoles, like I wasn't taught how to do a trade in on a console. It was just it's pretty much a crash course in everything you have to do there. Uh huh. It was just basically figure it out. And, um, you know, assuming that, well, you play games, so you must know. And even then, I mean, even if you want to get specific, just because you are, you know, a, a PlayStation wizard or whatever, doesn't mean that you're familiar with going through all the setup and checking all the information on an Xbox. And then you get complicated when we got into um, like uh, devices and things where there's all these other little fine print details and they're just like, figure it out. But uh, so, wh- so, when yeah, they, so, so when you got hired, what was essentially the sales pitch for this job? Was it immediately like, look, we need you to sell. You have to be a good salesman. No. It's the numbers. Or was it, hey, video games. Yay. Yep. That was pretty much it. Basically, the kind of bullet point FAQ in an interview, the like, you know, tell us about your past experience, why you want to work here, what you think you bring to the job, strengths, weaknesses. I mean, the basic retail interview, nothing about, God, it's so hard to remember, like when the program was actually like implemented as in like, here's the thing you have to sell. Because I feel like there was always sort of a rewards program or at least a like a membership card that we had. There was a, but like it, Electronics Boutique back in the day. Yeah. I think yeah. I remember, it was Edge card originally. And it was like this yellow and yellow and red card when I got hired. But I, do, I feel like it was just one of those like it was sort of like the VIP thing and, and you definitely weren't expected to push it the way that it is now. I think it was something you could like offer to people, but it wasn't like how many of these did you sell, which is sort of the idea of like the metrics changing is that I, there was just something else that they were focused on at that time, you know? And in the or history, in- the history of video games at that point, it was kind of like this bridge period because it, this was now when video games were beyond the hardcore, you know, nerds. I say that lovingly, I would speak, 
I would say that about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, this was like getting to where it is now. And now it's like an $8 billion a year industry. And like everybody's grandmother has like a VR system or something. You know, was, I mean, it's like this was that in between time when it was building and building and building. But also for GameStop, they, they were living pretty high on the hog. Yeah, absolutely, because they were like the really the only place to get things like what we would now call retro games, but were technically still, you know, PS2, uh, GameCube, those kind of things. Like we had full sections for those. And as much as people dog the whole trade-in system and everything, I feel like especially for gamers who who run through you know a game is a is a consumable even though it's got the physical packaging and all that jazz it's a consumable thing so you play it you finish it and unless you really are a collector or it was a game you really really enjoyed I think there's a lot of value to the idea of being able to take it and get money for it. And that was kind of, that was a, a nice little perk, you know, and, for people and GameStop was, come in. Yeah, was one of the few places you could really even do that. That was back when mm-hmm. a lot of what GameStop offered was actually proprietary. You know, where, you know, it's, it's not only mm-hmm. recently, basically in the scheme of things, could you pre-order stuff at places like Best Buy or tr- certainly trade in things at places like Best Buy? I mean, for a while. Yeah, games- when they offered a trade in program, part of me was just like, I mean, my heart is with you, you poor little Best Buy employees, because, yeah. you know, it's a nightmare when it's a focus of of your company, you yeah. know, let alone something that you're just kind of like, oh, and by the way, if someone wants to do this, you know? Yeah, but at that point, GameStop really was sort of cornering that marketplace. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, it was definitely sold as like a, a more fun experience. And the manager that they brought in to open it was a high performing manager from another store. And they really wanted this store to kind of, you know, get off to a, a good start. So from the get go, it was a little pampered in odd ways. It was, um, you know, we were given a lot of leeway on things kind of as long as the numbers looked good, they kind of let us do what we wanted to do. But as far as things like displays, there was a lot of do what you think looks good. You're a gamer. You know what people want to see. Make the display. As opposed to like now, at least, or when I left a year ago, you know, you get like a, a marketing packet. Uh, that is, you know, every two to four weeks or whatever, that is a swap out of, okay, these are, this is what comes up. This is what goes down. This is what paid for, da da da, da. And then, you know, at some point, somebody from corporate comes in to basically check and make sure that everything is checked off and you get like ding marks for everything that you're missing. Like that kind of thing, I feel like is completely counterintuitive. I'm not saying leave it totally as the responsibility of the staff to like decorate the store. Yes, yeah, some people but, aren't good at it and some people just won't do it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, but ha- even having it as sort of like an option, it made it fun. You know, it made it a way to bring your joy of like, oh, this game, I love this game. Let me knock it out of the park you know yeah and that's gotten really limited because of weird stuff like liabilities like oh it's costing money oh we can't take my i mean ugh, it, it's like all this weird bureaucratic red tape getting in the way of the spirit of the company you know which which working hands-on with lots of people in it a lot of people want it to be that way which you were bringing up earlier is i think kind of what's important here is There's a lot of animosity against the company, and I think the employees, unfortunately, get lumped into that. But you have to know, as a customer, that, like, within the company, it's definitely them against us, like, corporate against us. Like, we 
are doing everything we can to help you out. And we're probably just as frustrated, if not more frustrated than you, about why this is so ineffective, why things are unavailable, why information is, you know, last minute, because it is for us too. We don't like get off on keeping items from you or keeping information from you or making things difficult for you. This was one of the main reasons I wanted to do the show for literally to convey this message, because I know that a lot of people are going to end up listening to this just based on the fact it's about GameStop and it's going to be out on the internet. And there's just this weird relationship. <laughs> and like you say, and I, that's, you know, the way I started the show, like a lot of people like hating GameStop. A lot of people have fun with that, which is just bizarre. I can't even really think of a, a similar example of a, you know, a regular store that people go to like that. And I know that some of the people who probably act that way are going to be hearing this. And that's one of the biggest things that I want to convey, which is like, look, it's worse for us. And I mean, it, you wouldn't ever have to think that you'd have to explain this to someone older than six years old. But that the person <laughs> but that the people behind you know the counter at a corporate store don't set the policies. But apparently for a lot of people, you do have to explain that because they either don't get that or they don't care. And I'm hoping to perhaps remedy both of those issues by doing this yeah and the thing is is that the person that you're talking to the the worker may or may not agree with those policies but wherever they fall on that spectrum they have to enforce them so any kind of like almost trying to egg them into a contradiction or a conversation about those policies it, it's really only making a bad time for everybody like you're you're not going to get the response that you want because if they do commiserate with you i mean they're jobs on the line you know and and i'm sorry but it's not worth you know losing a paycheck to be able to like bitch about your job with a customer and tip from the house we definitely notice good behavior and courtesy and kindness and there's plenty of strings we can pull to help out but the thing is is that once like i was saying those those strings that we pull come at job risks you know and if it's a positive relationship where there's no like alarm bells being raised it's a lot easier to justify that kind of thing best way to get good treatment i mean golden rule and all that jazz you know like we'll take care of you in as far as we can given a reason to <laughs> So I met you pretty much in the middle of your tenure there when I joined the family, as they like to call it. <laughs> Cue Godfather soundtrack. Right. Um, and that was when literally you guys just got a new manager and there was a sign outside the store that said, we're now hiring because he wanted some fresh blood in the store. Um, so mm -hmm. me getting hired there was pretty standard in the way of, you know, looking to hire someone, made a good impression. Had to go through a whole rigmarole of actually getting hired because there's this whole new thing where like two managers had to say yes to you and you had to go into yeah, this conference. Yeah, they started and putting it was... in weird corporate things. Yeah. Like they kind of took it out of the store's control. Yeah. And then and then they undid it. Like once they didn't want, once corporate realized they didn't want to do all that work, they just gave it back to like you guys pick who you want for your store. Yeah, you know? I, I think I think I'm still technically expecting a phone call from one of those people who uh, interviewed yeah, me. At this point. <laughs> right, I haven't gotten the official yes or no. Yeah, and this was. An interesting time for GameStop because I would say I didn't come in when things were getting really bad, but 
boy was that horizon quickly approaching and you started and if to you feel had it. been there for a while like the tension was in the air and, that, know, yeah, like and, that and that's what thing. i wanted to ask you next which was so you had this point where you come in gamestop's doing well that's when its stock price was super high because that's when this was before digital was taking over i mean literally think about this digital well, wasn't even a thing i mean yeah, hardly yeah. at all you had i remember you had maybe selling the live and and playstation plus memberships sometimes but i i mean i don't once again i i don't i definitely don't remember doing that right off the bat right so at, that, at that point like that xbox live arcade was pretty much you could yeah. you know download yeah, yeah. some indie titles maybe some people would be trying to play like halo 3 against each other that was kind of it it's nothing compared to what is now in the online space to say nothing of oh death stranding just came out oh, i'll just buy it on the playstation store and that's it like digital was it was the the babyest version of you know what it <laughs> is now and that makes a huge deal if, you, if you're someone listening who's not that into the video game scene that makes a huge deal and this is going to be coming up a lot in this conversation because that has a huge impact on the state of the company now that wasn't really a big thing right now so GameStop's business model was working fantastic which if anyone isn't really aware of what that is GameStop makes money by people a buying things from them mainly pre-owned items which can be games as well as controllers pretty much you know hardware systems and they get those items by people trading them in so essentially anything you trade into GameStop there is a preset trade-in value sometimes can get affected by special deals or promotions that they're having at least and by the way if we're saying anything that's incorrect we're saying it from when when we work there you know there could be changes in the last year or whatever so we can't speak to that but generally it's always been you get one value of store credit a little bit less if you wanted cash because store credit is you know the currency that you know GameStop you know trades with and then and that also is by the way to anyone who's ever expressed like people seem to express shock and alarm at that that's standard like that's at the bookstore down the street you know the used bookstore down the street from yes. me like that's how it works that's how you encourage the repeat customers and and let's be honest I mean like if you're in the business of doing that like aren't you going to spend the money back there anyway so why not get the extra you know yeah so then they take that and then you know in theory if they have to clean it up test it whatever and they resell those things to make a profit you know that's GameStop's business model and they're there for convenience for you to get rid of the things you're not going to use anymore get some value off of them get new games instead whatever the case may be and then they'll resell these things for a profit that's the basic GameStop business model when things start going digital which is very much the case today none of that happens and that's the biggest issue that GameStop is starting to fall into today and it's even worse than just new because when we buy when we sell a new item all we're basically doing is taking your money and handing it to the developer yeah this and is something they, that most people don't know I certainly did not know this until I started working there yeah, like when I, you know, when when I sell you the brand new Call of Duty for sixty five whatever with tax, GameStop gets about like it's like four or five dollars or something. If even, of yeah, it's, I thought yeah, it's like a dollar or two. I think it's it's. it's a, I mean, it's it's a it might be like four or five percent, isn't what I'm actually thinking? But I mean, it's a it's a tiny amount, and it's basically just a kickback for thanks for for being the the worker ant that that took this from our hands and you know gave it to the masses. Yeah, and for um, buying them. And so, bulk from the publishers, which they do, and and this is the case for yeah. any retail store. Again, I did not stores kn- everything. Yeah, I did not know this until I started working there. Any company does not make anything by selling new video games to you or new a lot of things. That's not how they make money.
money if it's, you know, a store like Best Buy that sells video games. They sell these things that they don't make a lot of money on just to get you in the door to sell you something that they make a huge profit on. Like, oh, you want to buy a video game system? Great. Oh, well, oh gosh, you, well, you need, a, need a TV to play that on. Oh, this is perfect. We sell those too. And guess what? We make a huge <laughs> right profit on that. And that makes up for all the money that we didn't make for all these video games that we've sold. Like, you know, that's how they do it. The one kind of positive of selling a, a new game is that there's a chance that that person will bring that new game back to us and sell it back to us and make it part of the life cycle. But as you said, with digital, that chance is out the door. And I don't want to insult customers at all, but there is a very large understanding gap in what it is as a product it does not operate the same way as buying a physical game if you bought a physical game and it was broken or it didn't work once again because it's not really our money okay we can take care of that for you as long as you have the paperwork and all that jazz we can swap it out for you but with something like a digital game all we're really giving you is the license and then your deal is now directly with that company like that's the benefit of having a physical item and having a middleman like GameStop there to help you is that there's somebody there to mediate that kind of yucky process of this isn't working because then otherwise you end up in the situation we all hate which is sitting on the phone waiting for customer service I've never really thought about it before but that was probably one of the major problems was our just one-on-one hand-to-hand customer service in having to walk people through I don't even want to say complications because sometimes it wasn't a it, there was no there was nothing going wrong they just don't get how to deal with digital content you know yeah. so sitting on the phone with a mom reading number by number as a, which also technically isn't my job but I I can't sit there and say I can't help you call Xbox and hang up like that doesn't work you know at the same time there's only one of us on staff we're expected to field that kind of conversation and walk them through the whole process because the idea is we're going to make the loyal customer which would be grand if we could uphold all the expectations that come with that so when i got hired it was very much the selling culture like in my interviews mm-hmm. it was yeah, all yeah. about you have to know how to sell you have to know how to sell and everything like that so by that point you know if you look at knowing when i got hired to when you started did you detect a tangible switch and at what point did that happen Yes. And uh, you're going to have to forgive me because it's hard to pinpoint. But I mean, because really, I mean, at this point, it's such a big span of my life. And it even is kind of within itself. Sometimes I'll remember, oh, shit, like life before I was on management there, you know, was quite a bit different than when I became, you know, a, a member of the management team. It was always one of those things that was kind of held over people where like at the store that I was at, customers and even my fellow employees treated me as though I were like management level because of my customer service, because I was knowledgeable, because, you know, I was effective, all the, all the good things that you want. They were like, well, clearly you have to be, but because I wasn't hitting those selling points on things like selling memberships, that was kind of always dangled over my head as like, well, here's why you're not achieving promotion or getting these keys or whatever is because, uh, you know, a key holder has to be able to blah, 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 blah. And that I think was kind of was really one of my first signs that something like that was happening because it was very, um, it just, it just felt so arbitrary. It felt like 
if somebody was lacking in other things, you know, you know what I mean? And that you like it, or if that were just like a base, but if you could look at somebody who was really excelling and then they had this one weak spot, I just don't understand how that would be like, sorry, you don't qualify. You know, um, it showed me that there was a detachment between what was going on at a corporate level and what was happening within the stores that they weren't in there to see what was valuable and what wasn't. They were getting reports and reading that and going, you know, oh, look, we because things like the membership is pretty much pure profit for us. First of all, selling the membership is pure profit. We should explain what this is in case anyone isn't a GameStop customer. It was a $14.99 a year membership. And what that included was a magazine subscription to Game Informer, which kind of even before GameStop was is one of the most, you know, kind of reputable game magazines yeah. out there. And back then, in particular, there weren't a lot of game magazines out there. So they made kind of a decision, smart decision at one point to get in bed together, and it became like the official kind of GameStop magazine. So you get the Game Inform, you got the Game Informer game subscription, and then there was a discount on the used games, which were already traditionally priced a little bit cheaper than the new games, and a bonus when you would sell items back. There was a, a lower price for cash a standard price for store credit, and then like a little extra bonus price for if you were a member. Um, and you could start accumulating points that you could you know get coupons with, stuff yes. like that. Yes, and that wasn't there in the very beginning. I think they added that to kind of sweeten the deal. But yeah, it turned into one of those sort of accumulation programs. For a while, they even had some kind of cool um, like physical stuff. Like you could, uh, because then they teamed up with ThinkGeek, um, and you could order things. It, it, if you looked behind the scenes, what it was was just ordering some something from ThinkGeek, but you could basically get a coupon for something in the in the app for, oh, this Star Wars beanie or whatever, and then uh, redeem that, you know, redeem that with your points and then go to ThinkGeek and get that for free. And I mean, I'm not a GameStop shill by any means as far as like actually being in the program and seeing the customers we had who came in time and time again, it is for the money a pretty solid program. And what whichever kind of point you want to sell it on, I think it works. If you're into the magazine which some nerds like me are like that's actually a selling point like $15 magazine subscription like that's cool and then I get a discount absolutely you could pay it off within a a very small number of purchases yeah if you were even Um, a semi-regular customer you would save money with it absolutely if you bought I think it was like four four major titles a year or something like that then it would actually end up saving you money it bothered me because the approach on it was always so um like I said, disconnected, like corporate clearly didn't really know how it worked within the company, how people felt about it and how to market it. Because it was uh, at first just kind of a blind, like, yeah, sign people up. And then it became, don't just sell it, like have a real conversation with people about it, communicate the real value. And I'm not against that because like I said, it actually is something that would help people. And if I saw someone who was like continually wasting money, there would be times that I was like, please let me help you. Um, But the pressure to sign people up was really problematic. It resulted in people doing things like, and this is, you know, road to hell, paved with good intentions and all that. So let's say I've got that customer who comes in all the time buying stuff that's overpriced. Let's say that I have a transaction where I can see that in that purchase, it's not even going to cost him to sign up for the card. In fact, it's going to save him money because I might charge him $15 for the card, but he's going to save 
$30 across all these, these oh, sure. titles. I, I had a few of those, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, those were actually, those were kind of fun because if you could spin it and the person was excited, but a lot of times people were just off-put to the whole idea. Woe be unto you if you try to do that like behind their back or like sign them up without really asking about it. Because if somebody saw it on a receipt, there's no explain. All they see is the charge. You really can't explain no matter how much you try to math it out. You could even have a whiteboard in front of you showing like, if I take it off, I will need more money from you. Yeah, you know, I, re- and they I remember like, those I customers care. too. Yeah. yeah. And they'd be like, I don't care. Do it. I just don't like that you signed me up for. But people were doing that sort of thing because we were being pushed to sign up like, I don't want to say unreasonable because it really, it wasn't like the number on a whiteboard is not that unrealistic, but I don't know. It was, it was in, in conjunction with everything else that they wanted us to do, that there were like eight other talking points during a conversation where we were asking them about buying other stuff or signing up for other stuff that, I mean, I can tell you as a, as a customer, like I just check out, you know, I'm not, I don't. I'm not interested. I'm not comfortable, you know, and I don't want to buy any of this stuff. You know, so, I'm the guy wasting money because I just don't want to hear about it. You know, so it really affected your ability to sell something that ostensibly should not be that hard to sell. So um, when did that switch occur from when you started to then? Did something precipitate it? Like what actually made that start to happen? I think in the beginning, it was more like you had the magazine membership. And as like a little side effect, you got the card, which was like a cool little, oh, cool, here's the discount thing. So we weren't even selling, like, I don't recall selling the membership as like an in-store thing. I think it was like sold as the magazine subscription. Um, Well, and that's what it would ring up as back in the day, too. And that's why it's been in the system like that forever, because our system stayed the same pretty much for the 11 years that I was there. Like, because that's what it used to be is... Because people would come in and say, can I buy a magazine? And the magazines had ISBNs on them, but you couldn't ring them up individually. You had to ring up for a subscription, which is the price of two magazines. But what it does is gets the year and then gets the discount and you give them the card and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, in the beginning, that was really it. It was just more like sell the magazine subscription. And when I left the bookstore that I left just previous to this, they were starting to get really pushy with uh, a membership program like this because they were competing with another bookstore chain, which had a paid membership. So they were doing ours is totally free, but you get points and the points add up to blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, people don't want to hear that either. People just don't want stuff. You know, they you really have to kind of be smart about how you sell it. Even me just saying, here, let me run this and give you like at the grocery store, you know, this will get you a discount. No, I don't want to do it. I also Um, remember that for a while, maybe they still have it, but there was also a free membership that just accumulated points and just not as many that I, when I started, I did remember that still being important by the time I left, that was never mentioned. Yeah. So what that was sort of in response to the fact that, um, once they got pushy with the, you know, once it went from magazine subscription to like uh, mem- in-store membership and that just wasn't doing well and corporate couldn't like figure out why, they introduced the free one as a way to kind of essentially, I mean, in marketing, ta- you know, like rope people in because then if you got the free membership and you were earning points and you were doing coupons and stuff, I guess the the idea was that you were more likely to one day go, you know what, go ahead, I'm going to, I'll pay and I'll upgrade my membership. But people don't do that. They just, when you were sitting there talking to them about it, like being pushy about paying for something, they either 
shut down the whole thing or they would just go fine give me the free one which is why i think that at first so like you said when you first came in they were really kind of focusing on it as like oh cool because this will get them in you know and i remember and, even from a selling point it's like well i didn't sell any uh, the power pro cards but i you know i got I five got people regular. signed mm -hmm. up for them and they were like okay well you know that, that and you know when you when i started that was okay but not so much later on yeah and i think that's because that's what happened is they started i mean it's one of those things where it felt like you could really do no right like once you st kind of started achieving in one area or if you were good in one thing they would just simply shift focus to the thing that you weren't good at and if you were somebody else those focuses would be totally different so while they were telling for example me oh you know what we can't promote you because your magazine membership sales or whatever are too low they were telling another customer or i'm sorry another employee that they couldn't promote him because he wasn't getting good customer service survey scores so he was obviously lacking in his customer service and it was just sort of that thing where it's like well don't make it seem to me like the bar is memberships when this guy over here is getting memberships but can't do what i do customer service wise and you're telling him no also like like that it has to be some magical like genie cocktail employee who is all great things at once i mean let me tell you that person's not working for gamestop it makes people behave in ways that are unsavory you know it yeah. took people who basically just wanted to kind of keep getting a paycheck and i recognize because the higher i went up the management rank the more i would hear about kind of the pressure from corporate was basically, we don't care how you do it, get it done. Which is why I can understand that over my time, depending on a slew of managers, all you know, and depending on what their styles are, you're going to get a whole bunch of different kind of like getting it done. You know, yeah, and a some of them and a are going to be smart about it and make a team, and some of them are going to, you know, make you fearful for your job every day. Yeah, a slew of managers and a slew of district managers, which is uh, exactly. another thing uh -huh. to get into. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll say this: this is one of the top two complaints that people seem to have about GameStop, which is the constant upselling of, you know, the power-up cards or getting pre-orders or this and that. And this is one of those things where there has been this evolution where, you know, when you started, okay, it's there, it's not such a big deal, but also GameStop as a company was doing much better then. The worse GameStop has gotten, you know, stock price-wise, money-wise, the pressure on employees to sell these things has gotten to a ridiculous point. So oftentimes, if you feel like you're getting this annoying hard sell from an employee, they're literally in fear of their jobs at that point. Yeah, and and the thing too is that if it, if it is someone who's trying to, let's say you're having a genuine conversation with, with an employee, is that like in a bubble, these things are great. Like once again, in that kind of elevated customer service environment, I was talking about the fact that like, that's what they present that you can get or that they offer. That would be really, it really would be great because things like the pre-orders, which there's a whole baloney science to, but I mean, it would do things like it guarantees you things for, you know, a minimal insurance fee. And it's not even a fee. It's a, it's going towards the purchase, but just for the peace of mind for the moment, you put down the money now, you know, it's already going towards something you're going to pay for. You maybe get a little perk with it and you know that whatever bullshit happens that day, there's a copy held for you, you know, and. And like I said, in, in, in a world that they provide for all that, that is a wonderful perk. And it's a really nice way to, to kind of take the pressure off. Plus, let's be frank, like the kind of people in the gaming world 
are an anxious lot. So having that sort of thing of like, I know that I've got this and even the little pride, the little, the little, you know, button in your lapel or whatever of like, of I got this cool thing, you know, I got the little thing that shows that I liked it first or whatever. Like, you know, people like that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, it's similar to the power up card of like, look, if you're buying four games a year, this factually will save you money. If you are buying a game opening day, there is no reason not to pre-order it. It'll guarantee your copy. You'll get bonus stuff anyway, and you're you're not paying any more for something. You know, you're going to be paying the full price anyway. Like, there are these logical things of, like, there's no reason not to do this, but, you know, we have to hear this of, like, I'm sick of being upsold on this. I'm always bringing this up. I mean, these are the biggest metrics that the employees are graded on, and it's only gotten worse. There was this, you know, speaking of Kotaku, there was this Kotaku article a couple years ago that made a lot of headlines about how GameStop was, you know, redoing their whole, they call it the circle of life with all these different deals and sort of you know, <laughs> things that they have. And that it was putting all this added pressure on GameStop employees. And there were these, you know, anonymous reports of like, I, I'm being told to lie and stuff like that. I'll say first and foremost, in my time there, I was never told to lie by anyone, never by a manager, never by a fellow employee, never by a district manager. And I had some bad district managers. And they're also going back to those, you know, the people who post the, you know, multiple GameStop videos a week, you know, here are the 10 ways GameStop's ripping you off and you don't even <laughs> realize it. Like to those people, oftentimes they have stories of my DM told me to, to lie to customers or like not tell them they have money left over or whatever. Then you have a terrible DM. Like they are doing something illegal that in and of itself isn't representing GameStop. That's not the GameStop telling you to do that. But that being said, I have no problem believing that that does regularly happen because of the fact of all this pressure that they have on it. You know, I never experienced that, but I absolutely am sure it's happened. Yeah, no, for sure. It was, I mean, it, I, the thing with like the money on pre-orders, it's even not, and that's the thing is they do that thing where they kind of let you do the math on it. Like they don't expressly say it, but like every canceled pre-order goes against you. So even if you're trying to, do someone a solid of telling them, hey, you've got money sitting here. If you don't, if you can't turn that into another pre-order to even just break even, like you might be getting yourself in trouble essentially, you know, which, which I know sounds ridiculous, but like, no, th they're not going to sit there and listen to you say, but that customer really appreciated it. That customer was definitely going to come back. That customer you know, is going to say something nice, is going to recommend us to somebody. Like, they don't want to hear that. All they see is, like, mm, negative on the pre-orders, hmm. And that's so, it's like, I don't recall being asked in blatant terms to lie, but that's also because a lot of my DMs were very smart and slippery. Um, that So that was kind of, there was definitely a lot of, like, I could read between the lines and see what was being um, suggested there, you know? It goes, or even, even, it goes even further than that. If when, I was told this flat out when I was hired, that if, so say a customer comes in and is like, yeah, I just got into a car accident. You know, I know I had these 10 pre-orders, but I need the money. I need I need to cancel all those. No other circumstances withstanding. If you refund 10 pre-orders and you lose those 10 pre-orders, according to the company, that is your fault as an employee and you have to do better. doesn't matter what the circumstances 
circumstances are, you are blamed for that. And that, yeah, and that as a competent employee, that you would be able to take that kind of thing in stride with your day. Like, let's say that happened in your day and, and someone canceled, there's 10 that you would go, all right, I got 10 to make up today. Better hustle. Like, that's the idea, which also, once again, I'm talking in an elevated environment and sort of being able to really own your experience and 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 have real connections with customers possibly but that's not game stop you know what i mean it, you're running around trying to help six people at once who are all already frustrated and, and also and the corporate mindset was you should have been able to talk that customer out of canceling out of it exactly you should have somehow been able to tell him well look i know that yeah you're out of gas right now but just think how happy you're going to be in four months and call when call of duty comes out and you have five dollars less to pay on it you know, that, I mean, get, yeah really gotta like, get that 2k <laughs> there's just a complete disconnect i'm not talking across the board this isn't like ramp this wasn't happened rampantly it, it's not like it was an epidemic of like why are, are people consistently coming up negative on pre-orders but it was that if it happened once it went up the chain so fast to people you know get, i mean getting just short of written up if not written up you know but like okay well you got to improve this and now you're on watch until tomorrow and tomorrow you've got to do this and if you don't do this by the end of the i mean it was the first, like the first time you couldn't even say like, I had a bad day. Like, and, and people wouldn't go, oh yeah, it happens. It was like, it's exactly like you said, like, like they figure like, well, if you were worth anything, you should have been able to turn that around, you know? Yeah. And this sort of leads into one of the other huge issues that has certainly changed from the time when you started to when we were there and then, you know, when we eventually left. The fact that oftentimes to do all of these things we talked about, including all just the regular stuff we haven't even mentioned, but just the day to day stuff, you are generally nowadays the only person in the store. And this was the case yeah. for us in the middle of Los Angeles in, you know, multi-million dollar stores. Yeah, right next to other retail establishments that were staffed to the brim and that were, you know, obviously open at the for the same duration that we were. It's not like that shop was closing out and getting swapped out every couple months. Like, they were managing to make rent. So how is it that us, as uh, what, once upon a time, like a Fortune 500 company, you know, how, how are we not able to just keep ourselves properly? So, I mean, one is, like, not even acceptable. Like, I mean, I don't... That's, first of all, yeah, getting into, like, like labor laws, that's not technically legal because of things like 10-minute breaks. You're allowed a 10-minute break, you know? If I'm opening the store, I get there at nine in the morning. I have that first hour is dedicated to opening tasks. Um, you open up the store and then you're there alone until somebody comes in to cover your lunch break. But then you also have to make sure that you leave right on time for your lunch break. And the thing was, is it's like, it's not even really communicated what the urgency is. It's just no meal break, no meal periods. It's called a meal period. No meal periods, no meal periods. Like, like, don't get it. Don't, uh, don't, you know, go over on your clock outs. All this stuff was just communicated. Like it was the end of the world and you would get written up if it happened. But I mean, what I can tell you from like knowing like what the legal thing is, is that they basically, they get hit with a fine when it happens. I can see how the system could be worked, how people could be sitting there waiting until a minute after clocking out. But I'm sorry, that's something that's like a, an individual, like an LP basis, like someone needs to notice and go, hmm, this person's clocking out at 5.01 every single day. What's the deal? As opposed to someone who could not clock out because somebody was late or there were just too many people in the store or they were involved in the 
middle of a conversation with a customer that you can't, I mean, what do you say? Sorry, I have to go. While at the same time upholding that, like, that image that GameStop had of, like, we will give you the best customer, you know, here's where you go for your number one stop for GameStop. I mean, you really expect someone to in the middle go, sorry, I'm going to, and it's not even that there was someone to hand you off to. You know, if you could have walked up to me, John, I could have gone, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, I have to, like a, like a waiter, you know? Yeah. I have to go on my break, but John will be happy to take care of you, and then he could take over the case or whatever, but absolutely never happened. And then the fact that it got communicated to employees that you were in trouble and you had somehow done something irresponsible and disrespectful by going over on something when really what it is is that they have to pay a fine when it happens and their way of stopping from having to pay the fine is that we get punished for doing it in the first place. Yeah, so this is I mean, affecting... and, and then when you're going to short staff us that much, that's just not acceptable. Yeah, which you know? and, and, and which at this point, it's not even like that's just what the staffing is now. I mean, that's what it became, you know, by the end of my time there. Generally, when I started, Standard. we would have Standard. Yeah, not, yeah, not like on a bad week or or in the middle of summer on a slow stretch, like that's just standard. Yeah, all of a sudden, like, I don't know when we got to the point of having two employees there was like amazing. You know, you felt like, wow, we can actually get extra stuff done or I'm not super worried in case we get a rush of customers. For the most part, in my last, you know, two years there, it was generally, I was there most of the time by myself. Occasionally, you'd get two people to close to help. You have a a GA to help clean up and, you know, organize the shelves. But that was pretty much it. And, you know, a Avery, eventually, you know, you became an assistant manager. I was sort of an acting assistant manager there, you know, once I became an SGA. So, you know, we went through the gamut from being, you know, the lowest on the rung to being one of the people who who was in a managerial position. And for both of us, certainly for, you know, speaking on behalf of myself, when I became you know, an assistant store manager or even just an SGA, a senior game advisor. That's technically like a, like a supervisor kind of yeah. position. They have keys. They have authority to, like, open and close the store, but they don't really make, you know, a lot of exactly. Yeah. At that point, I would start being scheduled for 38 and a half hours a week. And that was pretty common. Yeah, which is, for people who don't know about what the rules are and stuff, is like an hour and a half shy of what is required to consider you a full-time employee. So if, like, if you begin working at a place and they begin working you 40 hours a week, they have to start giving you what they give full-timers, as in benefits, um, you know, insurance, uh, time off, that kind of thing, um, sick days, that sort of thing. Uh, but let me tell you, a 38-and-a-half-hour week feels like a 40-hour week. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, it's, it's working and a full-time job. And they were really job. hard on us for meal periods there, too, because it was it was not even just an individual thing. It was bumping us into a whole nother like, pay class, yeah. you know? Yeah, we're working a full-time job, but we're not getting paid for it. We're not getting the benefits for it. And then you sort of go, I'm working the worst-paying full-time job in the history of the world and then yeah and that was a and big reason I, when, for when me you say not getting benefits that's kind of a broad a broad umbrella i'm we're talking i can't call out when i'm contagiously ill yeah. because i don't have one there's no coverage for it which we can which we will probably get into a little bit later but is also like i can't it's not that's just a chunk out of my paycheck. You know, I have to decide if I can afford that, which obviously most of us at that level cannot. Yeah, and and this I know is not a GameStop, you know, alone issue. Like a lot of retail, you know, many I, retail yeah. plate. My bookstore I worked at did it too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that's a that's a bigger problem we can talk about about the fact that corporate America operates like that by default, and that's just how it is. And I think it's counting on the. Um, 
I mean, I want to say the weakness, but I want to like clarify that term, the weakness of their employees. And by weakness, I either mean that they are actually like disenfranchised, like we are too poor to pursue legal action. We uh, don't have the information to even know that laws are being broken, to know what our rights are. And then the other side is because of the way that they're doing. So they're, they take advantage of, a, of this weird spectrum of people. Most of the people I've worked with at GameStop are some of the most high-functioning, intelligent, socially capable, funny, interesting, good people that, that, I, that I know. And some of them are friends to, to this day. And, and, and I mean, and obviously with everything I just said, vastly overqualified, even just in the terms of things like degrees and previous work experiences and all that. And then the other end of the spectrum is taken advantage of the young dumb kid who just got out of high school and doesn't know any better so it's like this basically and and both of those are weak in their own way and they take advantage of that of basically they don't know any better uh, for us to take advantage of them and then even if they do what are they going to do about it yeah or they don't have the resources or their parents don't know better or they don't you know Mm -hmm. yeah they don't have anyone to turn to like there's one of the things the internet sort of has this view of gamestop employees as all being like these hothead burnouts who just you know play video games all day i've literally worked with zero people who fall into that category yeah i mean really even the people who do things like smoke a lot of pot or whatever are productive you know what i mean it's like it was it, los angeles it, it's legal okay it's, it's all legal. exactly exactly i mean the rare couple times i did have to call in sick I would always inevitably get an attitude from whoever I was talking to, which usually was a friend of mine of, you know, with just like, really? Like, well, I don't know who to call. And like, on the one hand, I would always feel, I'd be of two minds of this because I'd first feel like, I should not in any way have to feel bad yep. about calling out because I'm legitimately sick. But on the other hand, I go, I get it because I'd have the yep. same reaction if I were them because I have no one to call and I don't know what to do. And I'm going to have to do all this extra work, like which shouldn't be a position that we're in. But the biggest thing that I think we're getting to with you know, the whole basically there's only one person on at a time is that's the biggest way right now GameStop is saving itself money is by not paying employees, basically. Yeah, and the thing, too, is the higher up the ladder you go, the less chance of coverage you have, because here's what happens. I'm an opening manager, let's say, and I'm working, and then my closing shift GA calls and says, (coughs) I feel so bad, I'm not coming in, bye, and hangs up and they're gone. Well, now I have to, while helping customers and stuff, juggle exactly like you just said, calling people and going, hey, can you come in? Hey, can you come in? And sometimes you would literally end up with nobody. Then you have to send out emails to other stores. Hey, can we call in somebody else from other stores? And if people in your own store on your family are like not willing to come help you, people from other stores are probably not, unless it's someone who's like, hurting for the paycheck or whatever and we were in an um, area where there were a lot of stores where we could you know reasonably call people i can't imagine what it's like for people who have like that's the one store in you know 40 miles yeah no really i mean that's it i mean maybe they have a better sense of, of team and community there but i don't i don't know you know it just exactly it was it was almost impossible but i mean that's it is i don't even want to say like oh you, you ga's had it so easy but i mean it was kind of like i said they were like different lives you know i remember the only guilt i really felt as a GA was calling in and and having to, you know, really play up how sick I was so that I didn't feel bad about calling out. But then like 
when you became an ASM, you wake up in the morning for your shift and you have a fever of 104 and you go, well, I have to be at work in an hour and open. You have three other people that you can call possibly, you know, because those are the only three other people in the store with keys and only one of them is actually available because the other ones are all, then that's it too. You can't go over on the scheduling days. Once again, we're back to meal periods and stuff because if somebody else is already scheduled five days and that's their day off, well, they're not going to come in to work for you unless you take one of their other day. It becomes all of, it's just so frustrating that it's like, I mean, there's memes going around about how rude you are if you go to work sick and just how awful it is, like even socially. And it, that kind of thing would get to, I know it's a stupid meme, but like that would get to me looking at that, like, I mean, do you really think I want any of this? Like, I work at a place that respects me so little. It felt like being in elementary school and trying to convince mom that you were sick enough to stay home from school, you know? Like, it really was like jumping through hoops to get people to, you know, believe that you couldn't, you know, that you would not be great at your job that day. I was working one time when I, you know, I had, had clearly the beginnings of a cold. Like, I was sneezing yeah. a lot. And I had a customer who didn't want to take a bag from me when I was handing him his video game. Oh. Yeah. And, and he's like, well, I don't, and the guy was kind of being a dick about it. And he's like, well, look, I don't want to get sick. I look at him right in the eye and I go, yeah, neither did I. And I just put the bag on the table. Because he's like, what do you want me to say, dude? I'm the only one in the store. I wouldn't be here if I, if I didn't have to be. Like, what do you want from us? My last Christmas at the store, I um got something. Well, and then that's it, too, is because our kind of coverage and everything was just, I couldn't even, I didn't even have time to go to the doctor, you know? And so I, I was sick with something, and I had, like, no voice. I mean, we're talking, like, thank you for calling GameStop. Like, I mean, it was not even, I, you can't do business like that. And I, for two weeks, my voice sounded like that. And we're talking answering phones, helping customers. I mean, yeah, d people were looking at me like, are you okay? Like, why are you here? And it was like, because there is no other option. I don't know what to say, you yeah. know, yeah. which is, it's, it's, dip it's weird too, because it became just such a way of things. You just kind of sick. Oh, well, da, 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 da. But other people always act like you must be exaggerating. You must be lying a little bit or you must be faking it or something about how hard it was, you know. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. That's how bad it is in there. And the way that they dance around the legal issues is they sit there and go, oh, yeah, no, as an as a ASM, you've got paid time off. You can take a sick time. Absolutely take that sick day. And then the huge asterisk next to it is if you can find somebody to cover you, which also has the caveat of, and as long as that somebody covering you doesn't end up going over on hours on another part. I mean, even just having to do those mental gymnastics when you are legitimately sick is kind of unfair, you yeah, know? Absolutely. Not kind of, it's, it is unfair. And working a retail job, you know, you have to be on the entire time you're there. There's no like, okay, well, I can go into, you know, I'll go into work today, I work in an office, I can just kind of, you know, space out a little bit, whatever. There's none of that, especially if you're in a high volume store. Like, it is exhausting. You're on your feet your whole time. I mean, you have to, I mean, I've had so many times where I'm like, oh my God, I feel so drained from doing this that like, I just, I can't be here, but I have to be. 
Yeah. And I mean, and not that we didn't bend this, but I mean, things like you're not supposed to have any kind of like food or beverage, you know, out front. But if you are, if you are there and you are actively fighting like an infection, like it would be nice to have your little mug of Theraflu, you know, but no, I mean, once again, exactly something that would, if you worked in an office, maybe you'd feel miserable, but at least you could kind of sit in your misery and, you know, sip on your mug. And here it's like, no, now I got to go like be a salesman, you know? A lot of these things, come down to working retail, corporate America, a lot, you know, I'm sure there are many people who've worked a lot of other retail jobs who are nodding with all of this, that they go, you know, I, yeah, I've been there. So a lot of this isn't GameStop specific, which, you know, we didn't want the whole podcast necessarily be simply GameStop, but just to be aware, if you, you know, some countries have the mandatory military service, like you have to be in the army for a year. I've always said every person in the world should have to work a service industry job or a retail job for a year. I just think yeah, that should be years, required. Through the holidays, for yes. damn sure. Because let me tell you, like the fact that I worked retail for 14 years has completely shaped the way I interact with holidays. Yeah. I mean, hopefully you weren't rude to people or anything before, but you will have such a greater appreciation of how hard these jobs are. I mean, working, you know, being like a waiter or working retail, they're two of the hardest jobs in the world. And a lot of people just don't realize that. I mean, I was, you know, I was always nice to waiters and stuff before, but like after I worked in a restaurant, I just go out of my way to make it clear I am not a table you have to worry about. You forgot to refill my drink. I don't care. It's fine. Like, I've been there. I know how tough these things can be. And I wish everyone would be able to have that experience so that they get it. That's exactly it. It's like trying to put someone in, in an imaginary world where it's like, imagine that somebody says, like, the worst thing possible to your face. And you have to, I mean, smile and say, thank you, sir. May I have another? Like, I know that, once again, it's the kind of thing that people go, no, you got to be exaggerating. Da, 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 da. But like, we really didn't have any right if a customer got um, even aggressive with us. What we were really allowed to do was basically be neutral to sit there and go like, I can't help you or, you know, I'll have someone else help you have a nice day. Well, I like, you know, with someone throwing like, like, like racial slurs or, or mm -hmm. sexist remarks at you and you had to be like, please buy something. Yeah, I mean, that was I, well, I don't know how to put it's demeaning. It oh, is yeah. it is degrading. And I, mean, it makes, I, I got to a point where I I just would start giving it back to them because I just stopped caring. So I was like, it's not worth going home. It's going, I should have said something. Yeah. But a lot, and you know. Exactly. You had to start kind of negotiating ways to do that that wouldn't cost you your job, you know? Yeah. Well, and thankfully, my last manager, like he and I were on the exact same page with that of like, we are not being paid enough to take abuse from customers. Not my everyone. My district manager was very understanding about that. As long as you kind of got to him for like, if, if you had a situation you knew was like, oh, this person's going to complain or whatever. You could tell him what the situation was, and he was pretty good at, especially at saying to you, like, I get it, then turning to the customer and taking care of them, but without selling you up the river, which ha used to happen a lot, you know, where they turn around and do the whole, like, I'm so sorry they gave you a hard time, and you're like, God damn it, like, I was holding up the, you know, upholding the rules, and now you're making me look like an asshole. I mean, then this sort of goes to another great point, which was with the customer clientele at times was very difficult. I mean, we were in a major city, so you're going to get all kinds, but also GameStop's clientele tends to skew younger and tends to skew male. And that combination, especially in an urban area, sometimes can be problematic. And we would at times get very aggressive, I mean, horrible customers, especially in LA. I feel like every city has its own unique brand of jerk 
and the LA jerk <laughs> is the entitled man baby, the like 40 year old <laughs> guy who basically acts like a six year old. There were giant issues that we would have to deal with that, like, to say I'm scarred for life from, I, <laughs> I think might be perhaps an exaggeration, but I still think about, I still absolutely think about. And I remember having a conversation with someone I was working with who was saying to me, literally, I could write a book that is entitled working in retail changed my thoughts on humanity like but like literally yeah. literally because you see so many bad examples horribly rude people so many violent people i mean i don't know you know for you at home listening how many times in your current job have you been physically threatened you know what i mean like hopefully yeah. the answer is none you and that's <laughs> that's normal not the case for us, certainly. Not the case for a lot of people working retail. I do think and because of our location. Threatened, what was it over? What was the circumstance? Exactly. Was it over a plastic toy? Right. You know, <laughs> because that is the kind of thing that we are dealing with is 45-year-old ripped men threatening to come over the counter and beat you senseless because you are sold out of a plastic toy. Yeah, literally. We had one guy, he was returning a special edition Xbox One that was just defective and it was defective and it was okay okay you have a yeah cool you, ha you have a warranty not a problem we can replace it this is a special edition and you know we sold this a couple months ago so we don't have any left in this store but we can either you know a find it in another store you can go over there pick it up or we can order you one through the website and it'll be you know sent to your house in like three to five business days so we're telling us you know not a problem you don't have to pay anything we just don't have another one of these here for all of you at home let's <laughs> play a game <laughs> what do you think his response to this was? Did the customer <laughs> A? Do you, re do you remember this, Avery? Because it was at our store. I absolutely, I mean, I knew as soon as you were, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, okay, you know, time's up, big money, no whammies, <laughs> stop. He called the police and threatened to sue every person who worked at the store. That, yeah. That was Over, his response. Uh, first of all, something that is in all a toy you a know toy. basically this yes, was a 40 year old guy blah, blah, blah. 40 but year old guy yeah and and this was not something that was not us saying no you can't have this or there's a problem here this is saying yes not a problem we just literally physically don't have one here so we'll find one somewhere else for you and that was yeah, his response. And, and the physically not having one here, too, which if you applied, I don't know, a drop of common sense, makes sense considering, you know, if if you want the whole bragging rights of having a special edition one in the first place, why should you be able to walk into any store and pick it up whenever you want? You know what I mean? Shouldn't it make sense that in order to replace your special item, it takes a little bit of special work? Yeah. This was a 40-year-old guy who was going around saying, and he was like yelling at us in the store that my my, my dad's a big-time lawyer and you better you better hope your records are clean. I'm not making words up. And th this is literally what we had to deal with and the cops had to deal with and every, like, it was ridiculous. And I think that's a specific, the L.A. example, you know, more so than anything else. But mm -hmm. this was not, I mean, and this was an extreme one, but this was not all that uncommon. To say yeah, nothing. it's really not a terribly isolated incident. No, like it's that not. kind of level of upset. And sometimes you even did kind of have to interject yourself because I had customers like 
going at each other over something that, you know, was happening. Like one person was getting something the person behind them didn't get because it sold out. And suddenly it became like, I mean, that, you know, it's you don't, I mean, I, I guess I didn't really have any uh, real imperative to interject myself. But I mean, you kind of do as like the face of the company. I mean, let's take, for example, like the thing that happened at, at Buffalo Wild Wings recently, you know, like, like having to sort of like side with a customer. When I have one customer using a slur towards another customer, my moral imperative, at least, is I have to get involved. But even that aside is if we're talking just company-wise, if I sit there and go, mm, like, that doesn't look super great, you know? Like, so like Avery, please stop high-fiving the customers when that happens. <laughs> The, yeah, the, the high-fiving, definitely going a little bit too far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much of it is an L.A. thing. I mean, I think we get the worst examples of everything, but I think there are fragments of truth that probably certainly GameStop employees ever have to deal with. You know, we do have that skewing younger, skewing male demographic. A lot are, to put it nicely, a little socially inept, so are not great at speaking to us and expressing feelings. We would have, and a lot of being disappointed, um, understanding compromise. It was was not uncommon that we would have a 30, 40 year old man basically, there's no better way to put it, throwing a temper tantrum. And when it's a six year old throwing a temper tantrum, that's a very different situation than a grown man essentially in that same mindset. That's now a potentially very dangerous situation. This is another thing where there is no training of how we deal with this. Literally, like mothers are holding their children close to them because it looks like the guy at the counter is going to start throwing punches there's this one guy was a regular customer to the degree of would literally come in the store every day would literally come in the store every day would never pre-order anything but would always want us to sell him these new titles oftentimes all of our copies were pre-ordered especially if it was like a nintendo game where we don't get a lot of extra of those you know stuff like that and we would always tell him over and over like no like no we're not going to you know we're, we, we were holding this for the customer he was under the impression that if 48 hours had passed we were obligated to sell it to him which is not the case we minimally had to hold it 48 hours but usually we'd hold it for a week we'd you know make phone calls tell people like hey this game came in because they're the ones who put money down on it and we you know wanted to be respectful and give them a little extra time came in one day same story every time new game came out didn't pre-order it wanted us to sell it to him we made it clear we're like no we're you know no we're not selling you this and he he was there the night before asking the same thing the answer was no he literally calls corporate which is a number he had saved on his phone it was probably it was, <laughs> right, it, 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 yes it was probably in his recents quite frankly <laughs> this is how he begins his phone call to you know the support line he goes uh yes i have several people at the store that i want fired that's how he began his conversation with corporate to complain and like this is literally again an extreme example but not that uncommon i mean this is what we would be dealing with very regularly with grown men and their toys and when you really think about what that that person is i mean god i don't i don't know like i'm i'm a super bleeding heart like for sure like i put on like a you know thorny like i'm so grumpy and stuff but i'm definitely like a bleeding heart and i don't understand how you can wish that kind of malice upon like yeah basically this situation didn't work out for me there's even possibly a remedy for it but i want to see people's livelihoods taken away from them you know in recompense for this and i mean and that's not in any way going to level the playing field. That would just make me feel good to know that they, you know, 
it's just ridiculous. Now, you're talking about like kind of social awkwardness. I mean, I'll even go so far as we are often left to babysit children and adults with special needs, Mm -hmm. which is beyond my comprehension Uh, as a caregiver, how you could do that. But it happens quite often, which I don't even want to go. I mean, like the liability of this and the fact that I have no idea, even technically, even in all that time, how far GameStop would cover me should something happen. You know what I mean? Like, should somebody in the store die on my, my shift or something or be injured or whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I, I brought this up to our manager. No, I mean, you know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we had customers who were doing things that were either like on the low end, just making other customers uncomfortable, but on the high end, we're sometimes like actually like it's something dangerous. There's something somebody's going to get hurt, you know? Or it was literally, um, and this happened in the second story I worked in a lot, it would just be, and it, I mean, really it's sad, but it would just be parents who don't know how to handle these kids slash adults who would just leave them in our store for three hours i mean hours i'm we're not even kidding and for someone with you know and that's the thing is here's the responses you can absolutely say like oh well you don't have to but i mean once again as a as a bleeding heart the the fact that, that we're being put in that position with none of the proper training that is required to handle that kind of situation with finesse is like i mean the stress of that is like beyond you know i mean the only positive is it's made me you know consider a career in helping people with special needs because it's something that like was one of the highlights of my job was a being able to go i don't have to do this and actually like i might you know there's really no room for me to do this in this job but i know that this is going to make a difference to this person you know but that being said that means i put myself in such giant crosshairs i mean like like you like you talked about with other managers the 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 liability of that is through the roof you know and it's not fair to anybody i'm gonna say it's not fair to the people who are not like me and don't want to be involved with that kind of thing which there are, and they're completely entitled to that. They, it's not their burden or their issue, or just don't, or don't just be, don't know how to handle it. Yeah, exactly, exactly, or j- exactly. And I don't. I mean, and and in a casual social interaction, it's one thing, but when you're actually put in the position of essentially a caregiver for this person while juggling all the other, th- I mean, then you have to do the rest of your job as though that person is not there. You know, including cutting them off mid conversation to go sell something to somebody else, and. With the sort of people that we're talking about, there is no, excuse me for a moment, I have to go do something, which is even difficult enough to do. I mean, how many of us have a hard time exiting a normal conversation, you know, but let alone with somebody that you are having to, like I said, really navigate that. That was on the one hand, a stressor when I looked at it as how limited I was in it and a relief in that when I felt accomplished in it, it was so rewarding in a way that tons of the rest of the job absolutely didn't, you know, fulfill me. So. And similarly on the whole security nature of things, this is where, and, you know, me being, you know, like all guys, just, you know, the dumb guy that we don't always even <laughs> think about is the issues you would run into both from other employees, but also from customers being a woman there. Yeah, and this is, once again, it's also even not distinct, you know, unique to GameStop because it happened at the bookstore that I worked at and the cafe that was in the bookstore as well. But you're as often the only person there, you are, in essence, trapped. 
you can't get away from the person and you can't even try to be industrious and be like, well, I'll go get some work done somewhere else to deflect this or which first of all, ladies, you shouldn't have to find an excuse to get out of an uncomfortable situation with a man. You should feel like you have the right to do that, which I know we're even working on in our own interpersonal things. But the fact that this company like absolutely like had like no real room for that or even understanding of that seemed really tone deaf given how prevalent of an issue it is in gaming, the whole like weird girl aggression kind of thing, either well, aggression or idolization. It's one or the other. I, you like, know? I, I like to call it femme aggression, Avery. <laughs> That's a good one. I know we should, we should hashtag that one. Um, get it going around. Even just trying to do your job and be polite, you felt uncomfortably um, enabling. Oh, yeah. You you being polite to some of these people was your undoing. I mean, that would – it was not once or twice – I would get a phone call like the next day from a random male voice asking for your schedule, which I would yeah. ne- which I would not give to them. But it was like, yeah, no. But that's concerning, too, is that there did seem to be this weird feeling of that the customers would often, in my absence, turn to a male employee who in many times were good friends of mine and and respected colleagues and would turn to them and say something locker room i mean not even subtle and to many guys credits they did the right thing and said uh excuse you and to some guys discredits they you know showed their spots and uh, the fact that that is kind of such an issue and the, the thought that um even as the authority figure in that situation even as the manager on duty the employee of the store that i am still somehow like endangered that i'm still prey that the customer and one of my subordinates i hate that kind of terminology but whatever would somehow team up against me you know to even it just it feels icky and it's awful and uh it's really shitty too because i was you know nerdier than a good 70 percent of our customer base and and it was uh very frustrating to be dismissed out of hand on ability and to you know on on competency or anything like that and then to also just have that general feeling of predation and that competency thing like never came up at a bookstore no one questions a bookish girl you know like oh yeah sure but like in a video game store it there i mean there was straight up like can i talk to a guy you know some people had no tact well well, tell my my favorite story of what the older man once asked you (laughs) yes so i was selling to this older couple and they were very rude and you know to to be honest i only remember the punchline of this joke because the details frankly don't matter but they were angry about something one of pick a plethora of things didn't have this couldn't return that whatever and the old man asked if he could speak to my husband <laughs> which which it's my favorite story mind on so many levels like one, the fact that you think GameStop is run as like a mom and pop shop and that my old man is in the back like watching TV while I sling video games is hilarious to me. He's like, go out there and, and sell some Call of Duty toots. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. These games aren't going to sell themselves. Um, but then the other thought is maybe he didn't think that. Maybe he really just hoped that I would give him my personal contact to the man in my life so he could say, set your woman straight. Oh it God, was someone so needed to. I mean, hilarious to me I, that was that was a good one um yeah 
yeah, it, it blew my mind. Um, that was how people thought the business was run. And I mean, and, and especially because I was ranking officer at that moment. So, you know, that's always fun to do to pull the I am the manager baloney. So one of the things for me that has sort of stayed with me having you know now had the retail experience is I look at just the geography of stores very differently. Like I go oh, in, yeah. I not only think about, you know, I think about the things of like, you know, when I go and, you know, to the movies and they, they had a whole you know, standee set up for like the new Adam's Family movie or whatever. I, you know, before you just think, A, like, oh, that just magically happened or maybe there was a special team that <laughs> came did, and Someone delivered it. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. and it was perfectly set up. But then you go like, no, these employees had to stay probably later than they want to and set it up. And I'm, I'm both. Exactly. Work that into selling memberships. Also build this life. Yeah statue of LeBron, you know? Yeah, and so I'm, I'm both appreciative of that, but I also now realize that's what happens. But I also look at the safety of all these things very differently. Like, I once had someone say to me, not who was not being unreasonable at all, was literally, like, trying to, to say something helpful at the, the second store I worked at, just made the point of, like, this area, like, from, you know, when you walk into the store, it's pretty much a straight line to just, you know, the opening to where you get behind the counter. He's like, you guys, he's like, that's not good for you guys. Like, someone could get back there very quickly and, like, and he was right. And I, as it was stuff like that, like, I never think of, because he was, he, I guess his job was doing doing some form of security for stores. So he just immediately identified like, oh, that's you guys are really kind of vulnerable there. So that's to say nothing. And also, not to like, mention that both of the stores that well, all the stores I worked at and the, the one that you worked as well are uh, smash and grab locations, which are there right by a, fr a freeway exit. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that I've never been in a store when it was being robbed is beyond me. Right. I mean, really, it, the, the yeah. odds are so astronomical because really I sh it should have happened at some point. The, we were, well, our store, I don't think either of us were there at the time, but what we had, our our Vita was like regularly stolen in, in a way yeah. that was almost like a running joke at a certain point. But that right. and yeah, like- the, on, the devices we had yeah. out on the floor for like people to play. Yeah, and like the tablets section like people i remember people came in like off a pickup truck and like slashed the the wires and just you know i mean joke was on <laughs> joke was on them because they were just dummy systems anyway but like st I mean, yeah. stuff like that legitimately happened so, so imagine that plus you're the only person in the store and you know especially if you're a woman that's even at time you know potentially more dangerous i mean that was all of yeah. these things very common that you know would be things you and many other people would have to be considering yeah and then even just the fact that the follow-up on that then you have to feel the constant questions about why can't I play this? When is this working? You have to put in a call to that systems corporate or whatever so that they can come out and send out a repair for I mean, it's like a house butler. I mean, everything that you have to have in order and then kind of, and do it like, don't even break a sweat, like in your sleep, sort of on an invisible amount of time. Like, when is this stuff really supposed to happen, you know? Earlier, when I first got hired, they were really focused on more of the internal things. Like, we would have these inventory counts that we would have to do. And we're talking daily, people. Like, daily on full sections of pick something. How so, many new controllers I mean, on an easy do you day, have? It was something yeah. like we had to count consoles because at least you had, like, they were large and you could go, okay, there's 10 of them there. But on a day that you had to count everything that was in the new PS4 game section, and on no spare time. And then there would be, you know, e emails going out saying, oh, you definitely don't do it on store hours. Definitely don't do it with customers in the store. And it was like, there's no other time. Yeah, I mean, the hour before work is booked for all this other stuff you're supposed to be doing. The hour after work is booked for all this other stuff. It didn't make any sense. And I mean, it seemed very obvious what they were saying was unreasonable. 
And it was like, I mean, it was like running up against a wall to say it to them. They would just be like, yeah, but, you know, you make it work. And it's like, that's not a real thing, you know? It doesn't just happen. Along the also lines of all the things you have to deal with with the customers is then the other angle that is another chapter in the Losing Faith in Humanity book of all the people who come in, which, you know, for us were our locations, you know, this was literally a daily occurrence, who are literally trying to do stuff that's illegal that you have to find a way to navigate, which is either I'm trading in merchandise that is clearly stolen, I'm trying to pay for something with a fake credit card. And this was a really tough spot to be in because on the one hand, it's that dichotomy that seems to keep coming up with this job, which is we are trained in what we are trained in, and that is not to be a police officer. It's not to be able to identify a fake ID. It's not to be able to identify a fake credit card. But at the same time, it's amazing how quickly you develop a sixth sense with a job like this where you just know this person is up to no good where I know something is not right about this and now I have to figure out how I not only navigate it but to what degree do I do something about it yeah like nobody in an Adidas tracksuit is buying like a stack of $100 vanilla gift cards I mean because that's the thing is sometimes we would make big sales but a lot of times it would be something like someone from like the Ellen show buying like gifts for the office and you would see the credit card clearly labeled for like a corporate account and stuff and that kind of thing you could feel fairly confident about and usually those people just seemed like they were on the up and up it just it it worked it fit like you could just tell and you again very quickly by working that job you just know when this person is not that and i mean and you want to talk about about people getting feisty about stuff and acting like inappropriately like i mean people who are doing something wrong are usually the ones who are the most reactive you know that it's it's the sort of it's the defensiveness you know yeah, the, the dumb ones uh, at least they taught the, me and the, now the, i feel stupid yeah the smart criminals are like okay thank you and they leave but the dumb yeah. ones will actually like argue with you and now you remember who they are exactly yeah and then you send out the email as they're walking out going so this guy's shady <laughs> yeah um but yeah that and exactly it put you in a spot where you really all you could do was do the checks that they enabled you to do so things like check an id and but once again yeah if they showed me a credit card and the name on the card was the name that was on the ID, that was really kind of where my like culpability stopped. There's nothing else I can do. And if we ever were in a situation where there was something like, oh, this is a customer who's banned from trading in or something to that effect, or, you know, even, oh, a counterfeit bill. I mean, I know that that's sort of part of the job, but that's a really shitty, like, the smile and, like, and you're not, you know, and there's, like, the list of don't say anything that's like this, but you have to really nicely kind of be like, oh my not God. today. Yeah. Do, do, you know? do you know how, do you know how many times I had to do, and you had to do, this ridiculously stupid dance, and that's the best way I can put it, of... Oh, that's so weird. The card's not going through. Oh, okay, maybe I have another one. Oh, okay, yeah, let's try this one. Hit random keys. Nope, that's not going through either. It's, oh, that's it's so the, weird. It's, you not, it's, it's like, not you, it's me of the retail experience. I, which, you know, it's where the you just, yeah, you just want to say to them, hey, dude, I know this is a fake card. You know it's a fake card. Get out of calling security. Like, you just, but yeah. you have to do this, like, 10-minute back and forth with them that's going to yeah, have I don't the know. same. Maybe our system's down or something. Yeah, oh, okay, I'll go get know. cash at an ATM. Yeah, you go do that, and then you know you're never going to see him again. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, There's an ATM literally like five steps from the store i'm watching go ahead go to it mm. go right over there oh, Bye. God. yes 
I have the personality where I could handle that. I don't enjoy it, but like you could handle that. There are a lot of people I worked with who don't have that personality, who are really more timid, sweet people who that would make them really uncomfortable. And they would come to me even if I'm like on a break and just be like, what do I do? Like, I don't know what to, I mean, that's a very tough position to put like an 18 year old kid in. Well, and like I was talking about, I mean, there's this idea of finesse and like the elevated customer experience. A lot of the things that they're asking people to do are in my experience across psychology and customer service and the entertainment industry and yada 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 is a pretty high level of like this is somebody who is intelligent intuitive sensitive smart business savvy like all these things that I mean if I were all those things I don't know why I'm not able to get a much better job somewhere else and if that's the level that you're asking your employees to be at then I don't get how you're not rewarding treating them like that you know paying them that level giving them the kind of working environment where they can flourish because if you're hiring people who are capable of that and then sticking them to one you know by themselves for six hours a day i I don't know why you don't just go online at this point you know what i mean like there's really no point in having the human face anymore I wanted to talk to you about how things were at the beginning. Then we sort of noticed a tonal shift. That's about when I came in. Then I would say there was another tonal shift, which was near, you know, this is for me when I started to become aware of like, okay, I need to get out of here because this just isn't, I, I just, I literally felt like I was not living healthily at that point. Yeah. And this was a big part of that. I have my answer for this, but I'm curious what yours is. What do you sort of identify with that second tonal shift of what it was like working at GameStop when things sort of changed again? There were changes with like district managers and things like that kind of constantly. And it felt like it would kind of happen in response to like if something happened in corporate or if you heard something in the news like about GameStop or about something like, oh, this thing kind of, oh, you could count on like at the start of next quarter that that was going to be kind of the thing that was, you know, I don't know. It was, it was like someone with like a Christmas secret that you already knew about, you know, because they'd be like, don't miss the call today. Big announcement, big announcement. It'd be like, yeah, I know we're dropping the concern on Circle of Life, but in three months once you see that the numbers slip when people don't aren't paying attention to them it's going to come back in again like it became so predictable but there was definitely a big shift with they brought in some new district managers and reapportioned some districts they had been like i said in the very beginning very whatever we don't really seem to care then they were really hardline for a while and that was a a weird point for me because that was when i was trying to get promoted and stuff and they kept dangling things in front of me and then pulling them away and then giving them to other people who were less qualified. It was a bad, that was a bad time. I got a very bad taste in my mouth from that, but it actually kind of helped because the less I kind of cared about that, the less it could stress me out because they really use that. But then I think they realized that didn't go over well. And then they got very friendly again. But what bothered me was there was an insidiousness to that friendly thing where they were very friendly on the surface. DMs would come in and it felt almost like, hey cool and like if if it were the 50s it would have been like cocktail hour you know 
But they were only like that with the people that they deemed important, i.e. store managers and assistant managers. Other people in the store, even people who had been there for years, they would, I mean, they wouldn't look at twice. They wouldn't look at once. Oh, like, yeah. I had several district managers would not talk to you if you weren't a store manager. Would not speak to you. Yes, exactly. It, it I was, mean, it even just if was it was crazy. if they came into the store and you were the non-store manager working, and let's say your store manager was in the back on your lunch break or on their lunch break or whatever, you could pick out the district manager and you knew what they looked like. And they would basically like lurk in a corner and they would kind of like, they'd make you uncomfortable. They'd make customers uncomfortable, but they wouldn't like really say or acknowledge anything to you. And it almost, it felt like oftentimes like they were waiting to swoop. Like you'd be in the middle of doing something with a customer and all of a sudden they'd come behind the register and be like, can I get you to pull up the numbers for that? Da, 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 da. And I mean, you're just sitting there like, I mean, is this a test? Like, what am I supposed? And there would be, there would be times that I would stop and help them and they would go, you know, you really shouldn't stop helping a customer. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, if that isn't a cheap trick, you know, like what a garbage thing to do to come up and ask me a question and go psych, you know, that's not really cool. And then the manager would come out and say, hey, buddy, clap on the back. How about that game this weekend? It was, you know, it definitely gave you that um, like caste system feeling, which was really shitty as someone who was a manager, like having to negotiate that relationship between like my team. I feel like really I kind of became like den mother because I care a lot. So a lot of them would come to me with like, this fucking sucks and I don't get it. And I don't get how you like have lunch with them, you know? Yeah, that was a big part of it for me. If I could sum it up when I got to the point of, okay, I, I have to get out of here, it was pretty much that. It was, I started to feel like this company doesn't have my back. And, yeah, and, no, and it exactly. Was, they're not looking out for me no, at all. In and, fact, they're 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 like waiting for me to make a mistake. Yeah. You know? and, and I was somewhat like I never was written up one time. I was a great employee, I think. You know, I mean, I, well, the thing is, is there were like store wide write ups that they would have us do. So, I mean, if I, I mean, you might have gotten written up at some point, but it never really. I mean, that's the thing is it was such a baloney system. And it would be like, well, if we're writing up the whole store because people were, you know, because sales were under for this week, like what's the point you know yeah but you know, i mean that you know personally speaking at least i never had like yeah. a disciplinary action or anything no like no, no. That. That, that kind of thing sit down and like talk to someone but god somebody used the term that was really great where like if there was a problem they'd let you flap in the wind that's the word as long as it wasn't like costing them anything so like yeah maybe maybe you came in late every day or whatever but as long as it was five minutes late every day or whatever i mean technically that's a write-up every day and technically after three of those or whatever you're, you're in some serious trouble but it wouldn't really matter as long as you kind of did your job but the moment that you popped up on their radar for like we want to get rid of him that's when that kind of thing would come up oh let's pull up all the write-ups oh let's pull up all the performance files that show where he failed that where we can highlight something go ah look here's what the problem is so it, that's what i kind of mean about like the insidious where it was like there was this certain level of like it's okay. Take it easy. You know what? We we understand people. But you you bounce back and forth. You'll come back. And then the moment that there was a stake of some kind, I don't even mean specifically to fire you, to something like to hold you back from a promotion or to justify whatever. It suddenly came up that like all this kind of oh well, let's open the books. Like in a relationship, when someone tells you something is forgiven, and then they bring it up every time in a fight, it's like this isn't super fair. Yeah, that was the shift that I felt. Which I mean, I think 
think some of these problems had always been there beneath the surface, certainly if you had a bad manager, bad district manager. But it just seemed like there was now this shift of just this culture of distrust among fellow employees where you sort of go like, guys, you know, we're on the same team, especially if I'm not an employee that ever gave you problems. But there would be there would start being these regular things. And this is a good note for the listeners out there that if you're one of those people that gets annoyed by I just want to check out something at the register. I just want to buy something. I don't want to hear all these offers or when I'm calling the store. I don't want to hear this long intro. I don't want to have these other things brought up to me. Oh, I hate GameStop, blah, blah, blah. Here's why all of these things happen. We are not only as employees told to do all that, but GameStop started doing, I mean, I think maybe they always do this, but they started doing a lot more during my time there, these things called secret shoppers, which they would have usually a manager from another district who you probably didn't know would come to your store and just act like a normal customer, would not tell you that they're an employee, and they would write down, take note of every interaction that they had, and if you didn't list those five things that they were wanting to push for pre-order if you didn't offer them this if you didn't offer them that then you would be written up and they were very odd and specific too it was like a specific way of did you talk to them about the trade program so it wasn't even just something like you couldn't just offer them a used game you had to get into the like are you aware that you can sell things back with us which is like super clumsy in a lot of conversations you know and then along those lines they would do what they called trade calls which was the same thing just over the phone they'd have someone calling pretending oh, to be a God, customer forgot about that. asking Jeez. like oh hey i'm uh, what's the trade in value of grand theft auto like oh it's a uh, 25 dollars pause okay thank you and that pause was in that place you need to mention the five things you were also supposed to mention that i'm sure had nothing to do with someone who would actually call in asking about the trade value of grand theft auto but if you didn't say all those things you get written up so there'd be these things but then they also would have occasionally a district manager i remember would sort of have like a lackey they sort of have their employee (laughs) lackey who would just call and just ask you for like to give me your numbers it was usually a uh a story manager that they were uh, dangling the prospect of becoming district manager going corporate sometimes with. but it and wasn't it wasn't always a store manager though Some, sometimes it was just like a, someone who was uh, like not a superior of mine but now is yeah. taking this tone of like I have to report to you and all this shit like for me it created this distrust of like if you're a random person who comes to the store like I don't know if you're out to get me basically yeah well and you know what too is kind of interesting is that I mean maybe it's a good thing maybe Maybe it means I'm the right kind of person. But after 11 years and they're like, I was never asked to take on like one of those kind of special roles from corporate. And I mean, for people who don't know me at all and are listening to this podcast with no concept, they go, yeah, sure. Right, girl, whatever. Avery's but, very like, special. I'm 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 very very good at my job, but I mean I really am. It's one of the. It's just one of. I had customers follow me from store to store when I left one store and went to another. They were like, okay, canceling all my pre-orders there, going to the new store you're at. Had customers come to me from out of the way. You know, I'm pretty good at my job, and I mean even at some of the. It's not like the numbers are out the window. It just wasn't the the kind of things that they were acting and you know asking and expecting. And the fact that I never kind of got asked to do something special was, I mean, I won't be a sissy about it, but I mean, yeah, it was hurtful. After 11 years with a company, to never get any kind of like 
acknowledgement or thank you or even like, I mean, you know, yeah, you do this well and we kind of trust you to help here, let alone anything that would have possibly angled me up to corporate, which then could have turned this into a viable career instead of just a waste of a decade of my life, you know? (laughs) I had, to me, what was a final straw moment. I don't know if you did because you sort of by necessity had to stick around a little bit longer than I did, but I actually actually had like a, along these similar lines, something that we had, an incident that I know you will remember well where after this happened i went i have to get out of here like this is just this doesn't make any sense this job anymore and and this relationship that this company has with its employees what happened was there was one weekend and this was fairly soon after the newer systems came out which was the ps4 and the xbox one at this time and randomly i think it was a friday come in and you know just doing normal store stuff nothing seems strange and i'm like okay oh i need to uh need to do something for the store maybe i need to print out uh, some big price labels or something and set up uh you know set up a display you know just normal day-to-day stuff so i log on to what is called GSO, which is GameStop's kind of intranet, um, which is their you know store-to-store connection. You can't actually access the internet from it, but it's sort of it just, it's kind of your your store resource guide. It's where you know literally you can uh, print out special things, price labels, whole bunch of stuff. There's a kind of a newslettery kind of thing that gives some updates. All of our uh, email is done like kind of through there as well. Yeah, it, it tells you like what all the pre-order bonuses are, just the stuff that helps you like run the store. Okay, so that's what that is. I log on, or rather I attempt to, but instead there's this weird screen that comes up when I try to access it that I, and I can only imagine the person they gave this job to is like, has a background like it's the Matrix because apparently it's like 2001 (laughs) or something. And it literally says your GSO is temporarily down for maintenance until the pre-owned price guarantee is communicated consistently by your team. Do you remember this? I absolutely remember that, so, where they made GSO inaccessible to us. Yes. As like a punishment. Yes. For yeah, for yeah. Let oh, me let me explain exactly. this. Let me explain this to everyone listening. So what had happened again? GameStop's business model, they don't make much money selling anything new, as we previously explained. The way they make their profit is with pre-owned sales. Okay, nothing wrong with that. That's just getting harder and harder with the age of digital. It's also very hard when new consoles just came out, because most people are buying them brand new, obviously. You know, we usually do get some pre-owned for whatever reason that usually just gets sent to us. But most people, if the console just came out, you know, it's going to be like a $20 price difference to buy it pre-owned. Like, you're not going to do that. Like, no one in their right mind would, so of course they're buying it new. Of course all the games are new. Everything is new that is being purchased. So right then and there, for you know a good amount of time, that's when GameStop doesn't really do all that well with their pre-owned sales, which means profit-wise, not going to be going so well for a little while. That should be understood when new consoles come out. So right, and you should make some kind of reactionary, either just pad for it or go. Okay, well, we're going to focus on this instead, or we're yes. going to really push this. You know. But instead, what they did. Literally for an entire weekend, this was Friday through Sunday, they took down 
a store resource that literally I will reiterate. There's, there's nothing fun about GSO that you can't go on there and play Tetris or something. It's not something that employees would go on to like goof off during the day. This is literally a resource that helps you do your job in the store. They it had make... things like a like a full index of promotions. So maybe mm-hmm. there would be something like maybe a sticker wasn't up, but somebody saw an online ad that said that this game was such and such off or whatever, and you could pull up this promotion and go, oh yeah, look at that. Yes. That way you didn't cause some scene where you told someone, I'm sorry, it doesn't have a sticker, I can't help you, and then it you know goes up to corporate or whatever. Yeah, this is this helps you do your job. That's what this is. This is a resource to help you do your job that GameStop Corporate made inaccessible as a punishment to its employees because they felt they were not selling enough pre-owned merchandise. Now, they will not say it is a punishment. They said, oh no, we just we don't want you to be distracted. We want you to just focus on selling pre-owned stuff. This way you're not distracted. No one in the history of GameStop has ever been distracted by GSO. It is and not I mean, something that is used for fun. also has the tracking for where, you're, for where you are. So, I mean, it's also adding this weird, like, almost Stone Age level of, like, we were having to keep, like, hash marks on pieces of paper at the register to go, okay, I've rung up this many people and I got this many pre-owned so that you could keep a thing of, like, yeah, we're on task, we're doing good. Like, it was completely ridiculous. That was, I mean, that was my final straw. I, I, when that happened, I was like, I got to get out of here. I don't know what this is. Like, I've never encountered this where a company clearly doesn't have respect for its own employees. I mean, we we were being punished like we were kindergartners. And that disconnect for how for how a store works, what goes on in a store, how it, you know, like, I mean, that really does say that was a bunch of people who sit at their computers all day and who do get distracted by, you know, stuff on the Internet, like going, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll take away their computers. Like, and it's, it, and it, it's only yeah. hurting GameStop. Like, no, no exactly. I, I mean, it's it completely makes, counterintuitive. It makes no sense at all. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I have a college degree. I got good grades. Like, I'm being, <laughs> I'm being treated like I'm a six year old. And and literally in a way that is going to hurt me to do the job that they want me to. I, I was yeah. I literally was like, this has to be a joke. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. So I was saying earlier about pre-orders and we were talking and you were saying you were talking about the 48 hour thing and all. So I just want to clear up a little bit just so our listeners know. Like the thing with pre-orders is that there's fine print on your receipt so you can read it yourself. The pre-order only guarantees you for 48 hours. So the idea is is that in an emergency or in a pinch or you know whatever in in a you know it's then technically you could sell after those 48 hours. It's not guaranteed. But obviously we try to have that elevated customer service that we say and give them, like you said, the benefit of the doubt, a little bit of time, yada, yada, yada. But it's also one of those things that's nice because it it guarantees where if you do sell out, you know, if somehow there's a huge run on an item, but somebody who paid in advance but couldn't come there the day it came out, well, they come a day later, well, their game is still held for them. They don't get, oops, sorry, tough shit. Well, the problem with this is that we both have to, like, honor that guarantee And also deal with things like developer and like manufacturer shortages. And we are the messenger that they happily give you to shoot. Because if we're lucky, after the fact, we sometimes get like a note on like, here's what to say and do, (laughs) you know, sometimes. And it's like, you know, it's like the briefest of a press kit. But usually with something like, I mean, 
the store that I left when I left, I don't know if anyone here does amiibos or collects amiibos, but the the amiibo figurine thing from Nintendo was a massive crazy mess where they were releasing these waves of figures that obviously people were fanatical about. And um, some people had specific figures that they were crazy about. Some people wanted to collect the whole line. Some figures you could only get at certain places. So it was very much based on that kind of crazy collector's market, which you also think that those people would understand the rules or know how it goes, but they really didn't. They felt entitled to things that they didn't put in any work for. So we would get these special orders on these Amiibo items, and then the manufacturer just didn't give us enough. So it wasn't like they got our order saying, we have pre-sold a hundred of these, so you have to give us a hundred. It felt like from our point of view that they were doing it on purpose, that they were either purposefully restricting or purposefully um, had just not made them in the first place. But you ended up in a position where people who we had told on the good faith of our policy that's been in place for whatever 20 years that the company's 25 years that the company's been in business, that the idea was this would be essentially like a specific order for you. So that's where I get customer ire. Like definitely that is incredibly frustrating and I totally get that, but like sort of puts us in that unfair position of having to navigate that and be like the bearer of bad news, but also someone who's sort of suffering there with you because now you're going to get mad at me. Please don't get mad at me. You know, like the kind of psychological thing, even that, I mean, I really put a heavy hand on psychological stuff, which I know some people poo poo, but to me is a major issue and is something that is like really underplayed. You know, I mean, it's like we were saying about insults. If somebody, or, you know, about, about somebody being inappropriate to you there, you feel like as a human with dignity that when you feel like something goes too far that well obviously you would stand up and you would say something and you would do something and when it's your employer you know that is kind of putting you in this position it is amazing how much of your values and dignity you will compromise to say like you're right I am an asshole I did sell your game I am all holding it because I'm racist you know like you're totally right have a nice day. Well, and like ent entitlement kind of is such, I mean, that's the key word for me with so many of the customers we had to deal with. with almost every customer problem pretty much comes down to that word. I remember when Arkham Knight came out, uh -huh. and there were originally three editions of Arkham Knight. There were going to be. One of them was a big special edition that came with a model, the right. Batmobile. That ended up getting canceled, like, literally 48 hours before the game came out. I guess, like, they tried either the mold for it was bad or whatever. They Warner Brothers just said, we're not proud of this, and we're not going to ship it, which okay, I respect, but then, oh, that sucks because you're not going to get it. Now, it was clear that that's what happened, that Warner Brothers canceled it, and okay, it's a little disappointing because, you know, a lot of people were looking forward to that, but then we get to the launch, and we're explaining this to a woman, and she literally says to us, well, then you owe me something because I pre-ordered this, and, and, and what do you mean? It's can't, well, then you owe me something, and it's like, uh, a, no, we don't. B, Warner Brothers would be the one who owes you anything, and C, they don't owe you anything. It's I didn't get what I wanted, so now you guys owe me something. Yeah, I would get people at, like asking how we were going to compensate them for the gas money, for them having to come back to the store and return something. Okay. I mean, that kind of thing where I just, I mean, it really, it, God, the times you wish you could say what you were thinking when you were retail, where I was like, 
where have you been shopping your whole life that that works? You know, because I mean, it's not even a, a reasonable policy. It's not even something you could try to tell me like, well, they do it over at Ralph's or whatever. Or the, or the guy that got mad at me because he didn't know that there was tax on games. It's like, no, this is not 1999 exactly. I can't take your $20 bill. <laughs> like, literally, it's like I didn't know I had to explain to you how life works. Well, and that's the difficult thing is, I mean, there's that that scene in Clerks where, you know, they're kind of doing a quick montage of like, forgive it, but stupid customer questions. But it really was. There were times where you had to really think, how do I say this without sounding like an asshole? Because oftentimes it was like you weren't even you weren't even trying to. Sometimes you would just be like, it's under the sign that says the thing that you're looking for. You know, like, I don't know what else. I don't even know how else to how else to tell you where it is like yeah. there's a huge sign that says xbox it's under the sign that says xbox like yeah, yeah. I, for me it, it became you know like with that example with gso i talked about it was that plus the combination of just there was so much added pressure where it just became like everything was if this gets screwed up it's a one strike policy it's a firing offense one thing that was tough about working there from my time was pretty soon after i got hired if not maybe like at the exact same same time I got hired is right when GameStop started taking iDevices, started taking iPods, stuff, you know, mainly iPods just at first, which, uh, okay, like, that kind of makes sense. It's not video games, but it's in the similar, like, tech realm and that sort of thing. Like, okay. Then we moved to now we're taking cell phones. And once that happened, that ushered in this whole new era for us because checking a system, checking a game, even checking an iPod, not that difficult once you learn how to do it. But now there was the whole process of someone wants to trade in a cell phone and not just any cell phone. You have an iPhone, you have all different types of iPhones, you have all different types of Android phones. You have to know exactly how to search for stuff on it, how to clear stuff on it, how to do everything with you know many model phones you probably have never used before, you don't have yourself. Literally from the moment that program started, we were flat out told, if you screw this up once, you're fired. Yeah, because it because it's a security issue, because you're compromising the customer security and da, 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 which like I sort of I mean, I get in theory in a, in a totally like distanced from this world world. But yeah, but as then like if that's what you're going to have, if that's a standard you're going to have, then we need to have like a we all need to go on a retreat and have some rigorous hands on training and the training that we got increasingly and by the end was entirely and this is through the GSO thing, which yep. is another part of why it, you know, is so damaging when they shut it down. When they kept, when they that, keep it up, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that was all of our. It was our training program as well, and they were essentially. Which was basically you're like, basically reading a PDF. It was like a step by step instruction PDF. No one to actually ask questions to. And you could answer the questions wrong, and it would tell you what the right ones were. So then, if you just took it again, and like you had to retake it if you failed, but you could just take it again and just put in all the right answers, and it would go cool. Great, good job. Which I also, mean, really, by the way, you have to do during store hours when you're yeah, probably the only one no there. No extra training time, but they did it with stuff that was obviously like pertinent to what you were doing in your day to day business. So it was kind of like, how were you supposed to, you know, thing? I mean, the the iDevice is a great example, and then something as like crazy nuances that is just insane to be like, now remember all this. And they eventually gave us like binders and like things to walk through, but even the, it just it became this like monumental process that took upwards of 15 minutes i mean 15 minutes really if you're lucky you yeah. know and i mean 
and then you'd have to start if you wanted it to be fast you'd really have to make take a gamble on your job exactly like you said it's like if i don't test this properly or if i rush this through or if i miss a check mark i could possibly get fired i could probably get fired and you then know? by the way that started increasing the number of now cell phones that were stolen that we were getting absolutely because it kind of you just had to like get it through so yeah it, exactly the system on that was i mean and i'm not trying to make us look like dunces or anything but a lot of the stuff we were just absolutely not trained for and and that also puts us in a compromised moral position of having to smile in the customer's face and go like yeah absolutely let me appraise this for i mean for god's sake you know yeah and now let there's the whole other value. new dance of oh you don't have the password for for this account that's weird oh okay well maybe if you go to you know the t-mobile store they can help you out. oh okay like again and then they would insist on sitting there doing it like in front of you like in the trans like you couldn't even be like well look why don't you deal with your stuff and i'll go help people in line like that's why i've been to gamestop a few times since i stopped working there and each time i was in line for 20 25 minutes as the first person in line waiting to get help next i mean that's just absurd and it was because the people in front of me we're trying to do things like trade-ins and complicated pre-ordered switches from other stores and lots of things where basically we are really just your hands on the phone. Like, I can't tell you how many times I just picked up and called another store and went, do you have this? Can you hold it for this person? Okay, thanks. Which is maybe sort of part of my job. But once again, if we had much better coverage, it wouldn't feel like such a freaking burden. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be like, I can't believe that I have to do this if I knew that I could take my time with a customer and that somebody else would be helping the other people who needed help. But there was really no sweat, you know? Yeah, and then the final step to that was when we flat out became a cell phone store when GameStop partnered with Cricket Wireless. So oh now, my God, right? And so, we had yeah. to know all the details of their operation. Yes, so now, in case anyone didn't know that, for they've they've stopped this, which I'm th grateful for the employees Thank who are God. there now. Yeah. But the GameStop partnered with Cricket Wireless, which is like this third party. It's it's this cell phone carrier that uses AT and T's old network, so they can like kind of advertise their network, but they use their older. It's towers, like a prepaid so. wireless kind yeah. of thing you pay for the month. Now we're not only selling cell phones, but we're selling cell phone plans. So now we also had to learn not only all these different model phones we're selling, we had to learn all the plans, we had to learn how to set it up. We, it was this literally like half hour to at times multi-hour process to literally do almost what a cell phone store does and just to give switch people's data even oh, yeah. you know we were Everything. moving over people's information from one you know because they were going oh we're st still going to use this phone from you know t-mobile or uh, yeah, yeah it was a night just to give you guys an idea when i was looking at jobs when i first moved out to la one of the places i looked at was a verizon like outlet store and the guy who was working there he's like look i'm gonna level with you this job takes about nine months to learn and he's saying that because even though you know yes you get paid but you don't get paid it's not the same as when you're a salesperson they work off commission and you can actually start making you know better money but so he's like look you know if you, even if you got hired it would still be kind of a while before you start really making any money now i'm willing to say we probably didn't do quite as much as they would but we couldn't have been that far behind and again 
yeah. basically no training. Yeah, to feel confident with it. And that's it. Is that that's nine months of me once again, like I said, smiling in your face and telling you I'm I'm an authority on it. You know what I mean? And and then having to go through the whole situation where like I also I personally like I have some pretty wicked anxiety. And uh oh, yeah. and fine, maybe I shouldn't be in customer service, but I'm a pretty seasoned customer and I have my anxiety in check when I'm on the clock fairly well. Situations like that, I mean, like would make my like heart drop into my stomach because it was just so high stress to smile and handle it and do the right thing and think about got it. Yeah, once again, got to check off all the right boxes, got to make sure that I'm doing this, got to make sure that I'm not fucking. And I can't tell you how many times I signed up somebody for something and they came back in 15 minutes later going, my phone doesn't work. And then, yeah, like you said, hours trying to figure it out and call their old. And now, of course, their, their old phone got shut off because I mean, you know, ruining people's lives. Essentially, oh, yeah. The first the time evening. the first time our store did like one of these transfers, the person who was working on it, which is not Avery or myself, bricked the girl's phone, like completely yeah. ruined her phone because he didn't really know what he was doing. Exactly. And and from the customer point of view, you want to be like you an idiot. And from our point of view, I want to be like, oh, my God, this poor soul I have to fire, you know, yeah. for trying to do their job. And it's not even a matter of, oh, they should have given it to someone else. Maybe they were the only person available. I mean, because that's the situation that they've put us in. Yeah. I know for you, a big push to like, you know, really, this has to be it was a lot of, I mean, legitimate safety considerations. Yeah. So the mental health thing, the anxiety will, you know, obviously is a big part of it. Um, First of all, I've been in therapy for like a, most of my adult life. So it's not even really something that kind of came up out of the blue. Like it was always something that was part of the consideration with my job. Um, and I mean, I don't say it in the interview because you're not like technically legally allowed or obligated to, but um, I discuss it early and often with my employers so that they're aware kind of of what, and I mean, when I'm talking limitations or whatever, I'm talking, I tell them I'm on meds, you know, that, that sometimes have like physiological effects and that I have like required therapy, like at least once a week, you know, and most employers have been really, really, really accommodating. Like, first of all, it's been almost a non-issue. It would just be something where it was something that was like, I'm feeling really ill. I, you know, I getting dizzy at work, that kind of thing. It, you know, was okay. Well, it's the meds or so, or something like that. But I mean, once again, this is not something I crutch on at all. It was just one of those, like, I wanted it to be out in the open and, and kind of on the table. So it wasn't something that seemed like, oh yeah, let me pull out this convenient excuse that you've never heard of before. And the therapy I was very willing to work with with like, you know, working those those not quite full-time but full-time hours of, you know, 5 days a week, I will figure out if you can give me one day a week that is like guaranteed off, I'll stick my therapy on that day. That way it is workable with a schedule, it's never going to come up and cause an issue, that kind of thing. And I don't think that that is a ridiculous request, particularly when you're dealing with somebody's health issues. And if we're even going to get into legal things, like I would think a company would want to cover their ass and be like, sure, whatever you need, you know? And once again, mental health stuff is a little icky because, you know, if it were a physical illness, I'm sure they'd be much more accommodating with something like therapy or a treatment that I was going to. But either way, this is still something that particularly now with mental health being very on the radar 
is something that, you know, has always been part of it. And as time went on, they became increasingly, decreasingly accommodating of it. And um, it even became a point of like, uh, I felt like um, I got, I mean, I got openly eye-rolled at when discussing issues sometimes with superiors, with store managers and district managers about things like, look, here's what happened or here's why this happened because of this symptom, essentially, which is, I don't, you know, you know, I've got nothing to say about someone's personal opinion. If they want to roll their inside eyes at me, all they want, go right ahead. But as a professional, like, like absolutely not acceptable. And then it started becoming where when I got a promotion to what ended up being like my highest position, which was assistant store manager, they instated like a, like a weekly meeting that we had to do. And they were asking all the store manager, you know, like a, like a teleconference kind of thing. And they asked all the, all the people, all the assistant managers to pitch in on like advice for what day worked or didn't work for people. And, um, I, you know, was, Hey, I've got therapy on this day, which is my day off. So, if, you know, that's really the only, but anything else, really anything else is good for me because I can be in on any other day. And of course the email that comes back is that day is the day that they pick, which I won't even get into making any kind of personal judgment about, Oh, of course they did that on purpose or anything like that. That's not at all my angle. And I don't know really what other people's considerations were. I asked around and got word from other people, but I don't know what they might have told. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe other people told them, oh, I, I have, you know, chemotherapy every Tuesday or whatever, and I have to do that. And that's more important than somebody going to, you know, a psychiatrist or whatever. It, it, you know, that's completely feasible. But also However, give, give you a reason if that happens, like tell you something. Precisely. Or, or, or even, or yeah, or even have like a Avery, you know, here's how you, here's what you can do instead, or here's how you can make it up or, or Avery, get your notes from this or blah, 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 you know, something like that. And it was really put as like a, well, if you can't make the meetings, then that's like a mandate of your position and you might just have to step down then. I was really aggravated, but I also, like I said, this company did a fairly good job of kind of beating you down. So I was willing to work with it. I switched my therapy, which had been kind of routinely on a certain day, to another day so that that day was freed up for this meeting now. And then almost as soon as I did that, they announced that they're going sort of back to the schedule that would have given me that day off. And it was just very aggravating because it was so flippant with something that is a fairly serious concern that they also really don't seem to take into account the fact that something like a mental illness is a day-to-day -day thing. There's a certain part of me that believes, you know, leave your baggage at the door when you come to work. But if we're talking about fucking physiology, then it's a little bit your issue. Um, and it's not like you would but, call out and be like, I have, I have an emergency therapy session, can't come to work. You would never do that. Exactly. And like I said, I'm very good. I like I never once had a panic attack at work. I never once called out for something like a panic attack. I never once called in from bed going, I'm just too depressed. Like I don't crutch on my illness in the professional uh, forum at all. I really don't. And I once and even though I make it open to say like management, I also don't feel that I advertise it. Um, but I'm I'm very transparent about it just because I feel that we need to be in general. I think it, it, it helps people who feel that, you know, other people who feel uncomfortable about it or feel that, you know, they can't talk about it. And I feel if somebody respects me and then they learn that about me, it's a good relationship. But 
the thing that really, really got me, and I didn't, I didn't quit over it, and I kind of wish that I could have had that cinematic moment, but um, the store that I worked at was in a mall that had an incident in it um, where shots were fired. It was obviously in that situation what it felt like and what it was being treated as and the way everybody was responded it, responded was as active shooter. There were police in the building. We were evacuated. Before we were evacuated, customers rushed into our back room, which is normally like off limits to people. But And what was so odd to me was that given the rise of shootings and all these kinds of things that have been happening lately, we had very recently been given like updated um, active shooter training on what to do. And it was, it involves getting the customers safe, getting them into the back room. I think the order it's, it's flee, hide, fight or something like that. I believe that, you know, get yeah. out of there if you can, if you can't get somewhere, you know, concealed and last case scenario is kind of defend yourself. Um, and while they're so, in the back, make sure you tell them about all the great special editions that are coming out that they can pre-order. <laughs> right? See if they want a membership on the way out the door. Um, but it, so, so that was kind of the idea. So we had just had this. So, you know, we were shepherding people into the back room. All of that was very stressful and very, I mean, even for someone who doesn't have a wacky brain like myself, a very traumatic experience. Screaming, crying, praying strangers holding each other i mean everything you kind of see reported in the news and we really had no idea what was going on um you don't you know i, I remember being not... on twitter during that and there was so you know like there's so much misinformation that's coming out you just you don't know exactly yeah and we're trying some of us are trying to do that you know people who are even remotely calm or have any wherewithal or have service or remembered their phones or whatever yeah are managing to see okay what's going on but even then you know the cops don't know they think that there's people you know and it was a fairly upset you know and then eventually the cops come through and are sweeping the stores and they evacuated everybody and we had to go out through back entrances which also we're in this very weird position of i just kept thinking like we are going to be the ones who die if something happens here because we are like showing, we're standing in the hallway, like showing people, you know, leading everybody out of the store. We're not the first ones out. We, they didn't tell us just feel free to get out of there and save yourself. We're standing there like letting people out. I remember my back against the door, like our, our like safety door to the back room, which isn't by any means like a bulletproof safety door. It's just a security to like not get in thinking like if they just, you know, were arbitrarily firing at the door like it's me between these people you know and and then even then having to like clear the store be that you were the last one out of the store to make sure that all the customers were out evacuated the whole mall our store manager was in contact with um district manager and all of them pretty quickly going there's an incident at this location everyone was outside you know, tons of people people are calling other people to come pick them up it was kind of a madhouse and as soon as things kind of simmer down what comes out is that there was essentially a, a failed robbery and i heard it it sounded like multiple gunshots there was at least one and then there was a pause and then there were two that followed if you read like news reports to this day, they say one gunshot was fired. I mean, th you know, or or one thing. I mean, stuff like that. It's just I was there and I know what happened. You know, um, I were, mean, I'm there sure were at least multiple people, people involved. I mean, I remember exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it was also reported. Oh, no gunshots. It was report. That was it. Someone said no gunshots were fired. It was just he was using a hammer to like break into a a. Th 
okay, maybe. They sounded like gunshots. And given the fact that I think it was very shortly after, I believe it was the Parkland shooting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you could feel that that energy, like people were almost like expecting it. It was like there was like an electricity in the air. Like you could feel the, oh, this is that moment that I've been thinking about lately, <laughs> you know? That statistically um, will happen to me in this country. Exactly. And so we're all kind of out in the street and we kind of managed to regroup as like the store, you know, because once again, people got spread out. The kind of management team stayed there. We sent the GAs like go out with everyone else, you know, leave with the with the customers and then we are in contact with corporate and they say that the whole, you know, they finally ask, okay, did everything get figured out? And we say, yeah, it was a, a, you know, a failed robbery attempt. And I guess it was security, at, you know, trying to uh, fire on him or whatever, you know, and then the mall had been evacuated because they thought there was someone else and they were looking for them. And, but they were like, okay, so like everything's, you know, under control and everything's fine. And like, yep. And they were like, okay, everyone go back to work. And it was just, I mean, it, there wasn't a pause. There wasn't a how, it, it wasn't even like, is everyone okay? It was just like, there's so there's no situation to be worried about? Oh, all right then. There was no real concern shown at all. And when we were saying, even when we were saying like, we really don't feel comfortable doing that. Like, I mean, people like have physical jitters. It's like tons of stores in the mall stayed closed because you know they made the right choice yeah, and because course. they respect their employees i mean honestly it was at that point most of the mall was dead anyways like how Why many customers who want to stick around at that point like exactly. I, mean, I mean that's it yeah even out of respect for the customers why make it look like like sure just come back you know the 500 dollars we maybe made for the rest of the day was not worth the kind of message that said to to us and to the employees and to the freaking community and to customers and what the heck ever yeah the the whole kind of mood for the rest of the day was very creepy and hushed and our manager finally made an executive decision and told everyone who didn't feel comfortable being there that they could go home and he ended up getting in trouble for it which like i said once again the write-ups and stuff are largely just ceremonial but if they ever needed to you know get him for something they could very easily go whoa look at this huge thing that you did and it's not even that he closed um, the store he stayed yeah he stayed the he he, he stayed the whole time by himself and without saying which one, one it is that's a gigantic store to have one person in it absolutely yeah and it's in a very populated area and it was an odd thing where on the one hand corporate is giving us the directive to call all the people coming in and let them know what the situation is and see if they want to call out so that we can get them covered as quickly as possible and then on the flip side is but if you were already there you can't leave and how am i supposed to call people in to leave say hey so there was a shooting here huh? and people got really uncomfortable and now we have no one to work you want to come in like it was really i just couldn't I mean, once again, I know I'm a fairly sensitive person, but that doesn't seem like me being sensitive. That seems like completely culturally tone deaf and also like hugely opening themselves up to litigation, which once again, we come back to the issue of they know none of us can or will do it. So yeah. they're going to get away with it. Yeah, that was I mean, I had left the company at this point. But when when that went down, I, I mean, I, I absolutely could believe it, but I still couldn't believe it. Exactly. That's how I and you know what? That state. Statement, I found myself saying with every new like insult, it was almost like you would just have to laugh and shake your head. It was like a bad dream, you know, it was like, there's no way this is happening. And yet, 
Of course, of course, you know, there'd be major problems and you might feel for a second like you were getting a breath of of fresh air or a chance because corporate would be like, hey, we know that there's issues. We want to talk. Let's address it. And they would say like they'd ask you kind of directly, what's the problem with with memberships? What do you find is your biggest challenge in selling memberships? And you would give them your basically your like from the sales floor, person with experience, your knowledgeable report that they should at least take into consideration. It basically was just a setup. I mean, they weren't listening. They were basically just there to tell you, well, here's why none of that is valid. Here's why so-and-so could do better. And they were always holding up these sort of weird, abstract examples from stores that were like, excuse the expression, but like these weird podunk stores out in like the middle of like, the Midwest or whatever, that are like, well, they don't have that many people coming in. They have as many, if not more people on their staff than we do. They can provide sort of that experience that you're talking about or that you want us to give. And they've got plenty of downtime to do all the other nonsense that, you know, stresses us out on any given day. Like you cannot compare a store in Omaha to a, the store that used to be at Universal City Walk, which they touted as like a, a flagship store for a long time. Oh, yeah. Like those stores are not doing the same business, you know? And you cannot tell me that, well, if you just act the same way, then it just doesn't work. That's, that's that totally tone-deaf disconnect between corporate and the people who do the job. So, you know, at this point in the show, I like to sit <laughs> back and sometimes ask, what have we learned today? <laughs> And, you know, for me, in response to not only the show, but really my whole time there, a lot of it for me comes back to that old phrase that, you know, you don't like to be going through, but generally is true after the fact of you learn more from a bad job than you do from a good one. And that's how I look at a lot of this stuff, which is, you know, granted, a lot of the stuff that, you know, we went through, we shouldn't ever have, but you do sort of go, you know what, I learned so much about, you know, if I have people working for me, even just from a person to person point of view of like, how just not to treat people, the whole thing, like, you know, the DMs who just don't talk to you, even though you're on their team, unless you're a store manager, things like that, you know. I used to work in a restaurant during college in the summers, and one of my best friends who worked alongside with me, he wanted to go into hospitality administration, which is basically like a business degree if you want to run a restaurant or a hotel. And the restaurant worked at was great, but their one fatal flaw was they sort of had this attitude that we don't advertise, that we're, we're better than that, because they always were this popular restaurant. But in the small town where I'm from, all of a sudden, the town started growing and started getting a lot more restaurants and probably would have helped them out. But they just had, sort of had this ego about it where, like, no, no, we just don't advertise. And he would always say, I never have to take a what not to do if you own a restaurant class because I worked here, because I saw their mistakes. I saw the good things, but I also saw, you know, the things I know never to do if I'm ever an owner. You know, so a lot of it for me chalks up to that. A lot of these experiences we said at the top of the show are not GameStop specific. A lot of them, I know that there are many retail jobs and other jobs where, you know, people have their own versions of these events. Unfortunately, with GameStop, it's right now, it's this very weird combination of two factors of you have a store that a lot of people, like I said at the top, sort of just enjoy hating on. And then you also have a store that is sort of white knuckling it right now because business is not going well. And the combination of those two factors make lives for the employees very, very difficult. And I wanted to do this show to inform you guys of this, but also to speak to 
if you are one of those customers, if you are one of those people, and I have a funny feeling some of them are listening, who love hating GameStop for whatever reason, which I don't even know when that started. I don't know how that even came about. But I can't tell you how many times we had to deal with those sorts of customers who are just angry at GameStop. They come in, they just, they feel they're always getting ripped off. I literally had someone say to me one time when they were doing a trade-in, they got a value that, of course, they didn't like. Literally said to me, you know, I come in here every week and every week you guys rip me off. I literally looked at him and said, so why are you here? <laughs> I, I, literally, I literally said it's because at this point, like, I just didn't care. Like, and, and I wasn't. John, I, yeah, John had much more freedom with speaking to the customers than me. I had to be or I felt that I had to be a diplomat all the time. But also this was like near where I was like, look, I don't even I know I'm not going to get fired. Even if I do whatever, I don't care. Like <laughs> at this point. And I literally said to him, like, so why are you here? Like literally think like nothing at this point. The GameStop does, which is, you know, opposite to 10, 11 years ago when Avery started there. Nothing they do is proprietary anymore. You can pre-order stuff anywhere. You can trade in stuff almost anywhere now. Like, nothing GameStop does, aside from getting in, like, a special edition of a toy or something, is proprietary. There's, like, you can do this anywhere. Why would you keep coming back to a place that, right or wrong, you feel you're being ripped off? And literally, the look on the guy's face, it was like that concept never even occurred to him, that he didn't have to keep coming back here every week. I mean, it was one of the—I mean, unfortunately, this was not an uncommon occurrence. So, you know, look, if you don't like GameStop's policies, for whatever reason, I'm not going to say you're right or you're wrong. There are some policies at times that I haven't been wild about. I think more often than not, the stuff that gets complained about usually aren't getting the full story. You know, it's the common—you know, the meme of, like, the, yeah. you know, you see someone's, like, 500-plus game collection someone goes like hey you get 750 for that GameStop <laughs> like you know normally it's the oh they give you bad trade-in values for everything it's like well no you get you get bad trade-in values for stuff that's like you know seven years old and we have a thousand copies of in the back like it's amazing to me how many people don't understand basic like economic supply and demand yeah the trade e economic thing is one of those that like it's hard for me to get into a conversation with someone who wasn't in the job because I do end up sounding very condescending but it's like honestly if you don't get it you don't get it you know yeah. Now, I actually recently went to my local GameStop, got a PS4 controller. The guy ahead of me was buying the new Luigi's Mansion game. And the clerk who was helping him out said to him, I don't know if this is like a new policy, if this is a temporary thing, but he actually said to him, he's like, hey, look, just so you know, we have this new, you know, there's like a 48-hour policy, even though you're buying this new, that if you, you know, if you hate it, whatever, you can trade it in in the first 48 hours, I think it was, you get $60 store credit, guaranteed. I think I saw that on a receipt recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was so when I so got basically, mm -hmm. it's, you know, you don't get your money back because it's a new game. But, hey, you basically can, you know, for five bucks, you can just buy a different game. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, like, that's a good policy. That makes a lot of sense because one of the problems, you know, and one of the regular uh, complaints would be that pretty much the ceiling of a trade-in value for a game, aside from maybe if there were promotions, was sort of like $25, $30. That was pretty much the highest. Yeah, you were lucky to get 50% of what you paid yeah. for. I mean, and that would and, be and, on something that came out yesterday and was the hot title, yeah. you know? And again, now, to be fair, these trade-in values are not set expecting people to trade in a game the next day or anything, but occasionally you would have those issues of, I bought this, I, you know, I was misled, or something like, you know, the new, like, wrestling game, I guess it's, like, glitchy as all can be, like, it's almost unplayable or something if you have something like that where you go legitimately you know i i, I can't get my money back because it's a new title what do i do with this it kind of sucks that i only get half my you know there'll be moments like that where i where i would go like hey, it's too bad we can't offer him more like not every policy i agreed with not every policy you agreed with but at the end of the day 
if you are one of those people that just feels that way, that does not like GameStop's policies, don't shop there. Like, it's literally nothing more complicated than that. Let the free market decide. Like, literally, if everyone stopped shopping at GameStop tomorrow, they'd be out of business, which is what clearly a lot of people on the internet want to have happen. The problem is you have so many people who have this weird hatred for this company, but shop there every day. And they decide that they're just going to take it out on the employees who are working behind the counter, who have nothing to do with any of these policies that you hate. So if you truly did not realize that, now you know. So please change your behavior. If you know someone like that, you know, please you know, make them aware of that. Look, the fact of the matter is you complaining about an employee to corporate at this point, they don't even care about that. They're in such dire straits. You, you know, you being that person who calls up on the phone and says, here's my list of people I want fired. It's not going to get you anywhere. Like at this point, I've games... never fired somebody over like yeah. that kind of customer issue ever. Yeah. You know? so please... <laughs> or seen someone fired, you know, in yeah. all my time there. Exactly. So, you know, please, number one, don't be that person. But also assuming you're not. Hopefully this gives you a little more insight as to what these employees literally are dealing with. And not just at GameStop, apply this logic to any retail store, especially one that you know is falling on hard times. I mean, it's, it is rough working there right now. It really is. Yeah, all the open another register thing. I mean, stuff like that is so difficult. It's like, you do you really think people are just waiting in the barrel and like don't know that they're, that they're needed? You I know, know? I, I love like, going and looking at Yelp reviews and then translating okay here's what actually happened <laughs> like yep. i'll read the complaint i'll go okay no this is what actually happened and it's crazy stuff you hear of like oh and there were people hiding in the back and not wanting to come out i'm like no that person was on break and they legally weren't allowed to help like and, it's and we don't have just, a break room by yeah. the way which is another legal issue thing so you just basically have to hang out in the stock room on your lunch break if you don't want to actually like leave the property <laughs> yeah i mean part of me feels like you can't speak reason to these people and quite frankly when i was at my last location where i you know my manager and i were on the same page and i kind of had free reign to just be like no look you're not going to talk to us like that i'm not going to take this from you a lot of people i actually had a couple people who flat out did apologize and actually were better from that point on and then i had other people who just never came back and i was like either one is fine with me <laughs> because it's like the, but 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 it's literally with this job sometimes especially and i would get into arguments whether with other employees that we would work with of like dude it's like if you give a mouse a cookie you can't if you give into these yeah. people once it will never get better at a certain point you do have to put your foot down and at the end of the day we're not being paid enough to be abused or literally bullied which is exactly the word i would use to describe some customer behavior that we would deal with yeah, and it de the word gets thrown around a lot, but it definitely applies to the way that that we were treated. I mean, to be insulted on like a like an intellectual level, you know what I mean? To have somebody tell you that you're where you deserve to be because you won't buy their clearly stolen item, like it does so many weird things to you. You know what I mean? Like, or I mean, have someone throw like, stuff at you, or like damage your yeah. store. All of this has has happened. E there's even situations that are beyond like i mean even just beyond i don't know how to explain it other than like you clearly brought yourself to that fight because you're reading things that aren't there at the store one day my store manager who is hispanic my ga who was asian and then everyone else in the store was i mean a variety of ethnicities um i was literally the only white person in the store we had a policy that was 
I mean, you have to approach people. You have to come up to them and say hello, which is a thing that, once again, I know is not unique to GameStop at all. But if that ever has happened to you and you feel bothered by it or whatever, I mean, to the point that they'll go. Sometimes the district managers would come back and hang out for hours in your back room just watching your CCTV to witness and to, like, count and, and earmark on the moments where you didn't do that or how long it took you to acknowledge a customer, which is just, I mean... If, the, if there's a problem and you're doing real research to, to, to find out what's happening, then fine. But going out, spending that kind of literal man hours to catch somebody's weakness in a limited capacity is so, so baloney. But anyway, we had to go up and approach everybody. And I approached a couple who were African-American. And I had said the stuff we're supposed to do. Hey, can I help you today? Here's the deals. Let me know if you need anything. At this point, we also had uh, something in our rules mandating that there was only allowed to be one person behind the register at any given time, and the other person had to be out walking the floor. And this is technically for LP purposes or whatever, and the idea is, is oh, so you can give great customer service. But LP honestly, is, loss pre is loss prevention, just stop people from stealing stuff. Exactly. It's to stop people from stealing stuff, and it's, it's really wasteful. It's if you want me to be doing something productive or, you know, then I need to be, I need to be available to respond to customer experiences not just strolling around keeping busy with like arranging beanie babies but this couple got the feeling that I was I mean essentially it was stalking them which was really actually I mean I acknowledged them the one time and then I made my runs of the store and the, my other employee was behind the register ringing somebody up the other employee was on break in the back room so it was like there's really nowhere to go and I circled the store and as they were leaving they came up and made sure to tell me Oh, by the way, good job paying as much special attention to all the white customers in the store as you did to us. And I mean, I don't, it, it shook me in a way that a lot of, you know, I've been sexually harassed and blown it off is like, okay, buddy, go play with your toys. Like, it doesn't matter. But that kind of thing is like, that's a principle for me. That's something that I don't, you know, that in my personal life as my, as an aspect of my character is definitely not something that I am. And to both be put in a situation that I can't, defend myself i am made to behave in a way that is like you said the culture of distrust it has clearly made the customer feel uncomfortable and profiled and you know because i can't behave appropriately i can't either attend to someone who really needs my help or just be available you know i i have to sort of do that spy thing which exactly like you said whatever they want to wrap it up as as far as customer service it's meant to be loss prevention and let me tell you the person who they are profiling and that kind of thing felt that loud and clear and made you know and made me look bad for it so that's a kind of thing that is really bothersome that i know that there's two people wandering out in the world out there who think that i'm a racist because of the position that this company put me in and that's like absolutely against the core of my you know, well, it's so. also amazing how many customers just think we're lying about everything that basically the go to thing is, oh, I've never heard this before. And therefore you're making it up like that would come up a lot with doing trade ins because the, mm -hmm. the law in California was very stringent and is in a lot of other states, too. But that's literally something that is worked with the sheriff's department, because the way the law is written in the state of California, us accepting goods and giving, you know, in some cases money or some cases store credit for it legally makes us a pawn shop. 
the way the law is written in the state of California. So because of that, we had to fill out a lot of information. We had to like look at the person's ID, fill out stuff. Some... And that even varies depending on counties. At some yeah. stores I worked at, we needed as far as like a thumbprint, which yeah. in this day, I mean, peep and people go below. I mean, ape shit when when it comes to personal information like that. Yeah, sure. and and other states too. I've seen them have to do the thumbprint. So like mm-hmm. it just it just depends on the law where you are. But it was so odd how like we would be like, well, I've never heard that before, and then and then I'm explaining why this is i don't believe you and it's like and i'd be making this up why <laughs> like there's literally no logic there but i like there's regularly would happen with customers where i would be saying something it's either i don't like that or i've never heard of it before and therefore it has to be fake and you're lying to me and i'm just like and it was also like i'm not saying you should go along with what just because it's the way it is but it's also like well, <laughs> I mean, agree with it or not, that's the final hurdle to getting the thing that you want. So you either, you know what I mean? Like, it's either something you're not willing to compromise on, in which case, you know, fine, I respect that and have a nice day. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't, we don't have to fight about it. Exactly. You know? Like, it's totally, it's totally reasonable to be like, you know what? I don't feel comfortable giving that information. I'm going to take my visits elsewhere. Be polite about it. Thank you. Fine. Almost never would that option be used. It would be okay, I'll do this, but I'm going to yell at you for a while about it. And it's just like, no. Or they would do it and would make a big scene about, you know, making it seem like it was some big, you know, social justice movement or something. Whereas, yeah, it could have just been like, you know, okay. I mean, even, and you don't want to be snarky, but you're like, they're going to give you the same answer at any other retail location, but fine, take your business elsewhere, you know? Yeah, but it's, I mean, and that's, that's the entitlement. That's what comes back to the entitlement of the, I've never heard of this, so therefore it can't be real. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Never in my experience. And and even people who would come in and be like, oh, well, I worked at GameStop in like the early 2000s. And that's where I just want to be like, who boy, yeah. you know, <laughs> like then there's a thing or two that you could go, ha ha, game informer. Am I right? Like, but really, you're probably out of touch on everything else. You, uh, know? That, you know, that's something you bring up that really irks me every now and then. I will see a post or like an article written by a former GameStop employee talking about how he hated the way he was treated by current employees. And not that the employee was being rude, but it was like, I didn't like that they were offering me Madden as a pre-order when I was clearly buying Call of Duty. It's like, dude, have you not worked for this company? Do you not get that they're told that they have to be like this? is And that like really irritates me of like, you know what it's like. And yet now you're going to try to get clickbait by, you know, making fun of another employee employee when you know absolutely what's going on and also that i mean bear in mind that john and i are are two like fairly competent people like i'm sure that well, there let's are not go too far yeah, and pat ourselves too much on the back but um but you know it's there probably are people who have mishandled situations and i'm sure that that plenty of, of you have had yeah. like legitimately kind of bad customer experiences but i mean kind of bear in mind that it was maybe someone who was not as well versed in handling something under all of these pressures that Look, we've been if, you know telling you about the point of this podcast if avery has been stalking you in the store <laughs> please contact gamestop corporate <laughs> it's not my fault all right trust me i don't i don't feel good about it either so that was a big reason for me to do this because, you know, there is this weird relationship with GameStop and the Internet. I know people are going to listen to this. And I wanted, you know, if you have been one of these people 
maybe you now have a little bit better of an idea of what's going on or minimally you now know look dude it's not going to do you any good you know being the way you've been acting toward these people it's not getting you anything and it's only going to get worse because literally all you're doing is giving the employees a bad day but if that doesn't mean anything to you just know at this point corporate doesn't care either sorry it's the truth and i mean also even to maybe on like a like a nice note is that if you're someone who feels like you're a regular and that you've put in the time and that you have like a fairly good and that you've ever you know you feel that that kind of shafted or like misunderstood or whatever maybe it's not that they don't want to stand around and talk to you maybe it's really that they have to i mean either someone's going to watch that videotape and go what were you doing talking to that person for more than you know 2.5 minutes or you know they need to get a certain number of sales done so that their percentage i mean it could be any number of baloney sort of cold callous things that they have to put into play when honestly there are people i would have loved to have spent all day talking to you yeah, know absolutely you know yeah but no um, it's it's 100 true i i have definitely had moments my as an employee where I felt like I could have done a better job serving this person if you want exactly. to put, put it in that way exactly. but it's like that oh that person but, deserved the the experience that we say yeah. we're going to give them oh you but know? sorry but by the end of today I have to you know redo our store window I have to do these counts in the back all this stuff that you know is going to be checked and quite frankly if corporate gets a complaint of like oh I felt you know I didn't get enough time for an employee I'm not going to hear a thing about it if corporate goes oh you didn't do this 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 or this that I can tell on my computer then I'm going to get written up then what do you think I'm going to focus on like that's unfortunately the reality of what the employees are dealing with too exactly it does become like a return on investment thing which once again sounds cold and awful but you have to recognize that i don't want to sound dramatic but it's, it was distressing and on bad days soul crushing you know what i mean it went against principles and things that i value in myself to have a successful business day and even there would even be days that you would sometimes be feeling good sometimes you would be like you know what i've made good sales i had a great conversation with somebody and and something would come down the pipeline. Maybe it was something in your store. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was totally unrelated. But they'd come down with this, like you said, treating you like a like a disobedient little child. And it would just crush every good feeling that you possibly had. So even the good stuff that I you managed to milk out of this job, like they don't value. So, I mean, bl- God bless you if you do still value it, you know? Yeah. I did want to sort of end, though, on a happier note, which is I hope that a lot of people are listening to this say you're you love going to GameStop you have a good experience you like the people there you've gotten to know them a little bit what can you do to help them because there are things you can do to help them first of all just you know be patient you know understanding what they're going through if there is you know a 20 minute line with two people in it like Avery talked about hopefully this also is explaining to you guys why that's happening if you've had those temporary moments of frustration understand what's going on you probably already do so that's you know half the battle right there also do the survey that actually does legitimately help the GameStop employees. And I'll tell you something that I was not allowed to tell you, and that's that's the thing too, is that there's these very specific rules to the survey, but you have to sort of you have to very organically tell the customer about it, and I guess earn the score. But the limits on what counts as a passing score were so ridiculous that it was like, so we're not allowed to tell you that basically anything less than a nine or a ten is a total fail. So 
act like a grandma gloating about their grandkid when you talk about your experience. Well, I took I took one of these recently because I make sure to do mm-hmm. this every time there. I, I the one I took now is just yes or no questions. It's the typical like you know were you approached by someone? Did they did they seem interested in what you were saying? Did they offer you this? Here's the thing: say yes to everything because this is what will happen. They, they came in the store. There are two of us on register. We were helping out someone else. They grabbed a game, brought it up, they paid for it, and they left, and they had a great experience. One of the questions on the survey is: were you approached by someone? on the sales floor and they probably go well no but you know they're thinking what does that matter because that that wasn't the situation I knew what I they wanted and I picked up picked it up and went right to line right, right to the line you know now, yeah good unfortunately awesome. now the employee just failed the survey that's what the happened. whole survey yeah <laughs> the whole survey not that question the, the survey. whole survey yeah because they basically it, I think at the time it was you like to get like an 80 or higher but like mathematically uh-huh. that meant that you still couldn't get even one question yep. wrong it was this, exactly. it was this made it was this uh, metric that made absolutely no sense of you literally had to get a perfect score otherwise it was technically you failed the survey so even that's if that's kind of along the lines of like the the getting time off but not not actually having any room for it where they always dance within this kind of legal thing yeah where it was like oh yeah if you get this score but yeah like you said the math worked out where if you missed one you were at below the number yeah. so how does that work yeah it, it was there were four it was this is what it was you had to get an 80 on at the at least when we were working there you had to get an 80 on the survey but there were only four questions yeah <laughs> so oh, there you go yeah um, <laughs> that's not even complicated math yeah so literally do the survey just say yes to everything anything that's a positive even if it wasn't your experience because of what you were doing just say yes to everything the surveys do legitimately help because corporate does take those seriously and you can actually win a gift card because a lot of people don't actually fill those out so you probably have a good chance of doing it yeah <laughs> now we sound like we work there again but no really so few people do it that I mean like it can't freaking hurt I mean it's in a little web browser it takes 30 seconds to hit the answers and i mean honestly that is really the only thing you can do in this day and age to help other than help us hit the metrics when you buy stuff try to keep things condensed to one transaction because the numbers go across like each transaction obviously counts as a new thing so if you buy something and then you go oh crap i remember this now i'm not saying like screw you if you do but i mean if you've ever maybe gotten like an eye roll or a little bit of attitude or frustration it's because it's like, God damn it, like, this would have been so nice if this were all packaged together. I know it sounds silly, but the apps, like, if you're willing to kind of take time with them, are actually fairly useful. There's, like, an app that you, you, can, you can use to hold stuff, and... I will only speak for the integrity of the three stores that I worked at, but we were good about it. We were good about if we didn't have it, we would click on it and let you know. So you at least got the email back saying sorry, yeah. you know, yeah. and if we had it, it meant that we actually went and had it and put our hands on it because it was a whole process you had to go through with clicking acknowledgement thing and printing out a piece of paper for it and stuff. So if they say that they have it, it's there somewhere, you know, Yeah. like we even get judged against those. Like if, if you use the app tool, but then you come into the store, you don't pick it up, or you just, I mean, it just kind of defeats the purpose. And then that metric gets sent to corporate, and we get in trouble for that, too. So it's basically just a lot of places for us to get in trouble. So One of, one of my like, favorite uh, backwards logic moments had to do with that app. It was because oh, yeah? games, have, you know, every store, especially big ones like the ones we worked at, had so many games, and occasionally just the counts get off that you might have, like, a you know, a box on the floor advertising a game where you have, like, one extra than you actually mm, have yeah. or something. And this was just a regular thing that you just had to do maintenance on. But every now Where, and once again, if we'd had better coverage and we could do our counts properly, it probably could have gotten to. I mean, it yeah, would have taken it, like it would not a have couple happened. 
solid often. counts and it would have been fine. Yeah. But. but so stuff like that will happen occasionally. So sometimes we would get a request for something that we actually look for and like, oh, okay, we actually don't have. The thing was, corporate's big thing at the time was if you say no to an online request, that's going to hit your store. Like we're going to look at your store, you know, negatively because of that. So it counts as like a failed customer yeah, counts, service. Yeah, survey, counts basically, basically. A, like a failed survey. So literally our DM told us, I'm not making this up, that if that was to happen, that if you realize like, oh, you know, we got a request for game X and we actually don't have it, respond that you do have it on the request and then call the person to say you don't have it. Right. If, if that Even is though the like... function of saying no sends them the email that says, I'm sorry, we don't have yeah. it, you know, don't worry but about just, the thing I mean, is what actually is used for. Say yes and then call them to tell them no. Exactly. It was like they were just working around their own technology because their technology was making them look bad, which is when you're talking about people saying that they were encouraged to lie is exactly the point of view where it's like it's not a straight up lie, but it's definitely this way of like adding all these extra steps to like, oh, but we're not really da 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 da, you know? Yeah, I mean, if it's like if that's one of those like, yo, you want to know what it was like working there? This sums it up. But, you know, yeah. so I'll occasionally go in to, to buy something. I don't have an act power of card anymore i don't really pre-order stuff mainly just be good to people it's a tough job and that goes to any retail store goes to any service industry job waiters bartenders you know retail clerks these are tough jobs and anyone who's worked them knows that if you never had or thought differently before listening to this hopefully you know a little bit better especially with you know stores like gamestop where you kind of have this odd combination of extra factors that go into it just be kind to people. That's really all it comes down to. Yeah. You can be a regular that we know because we want to help you, or you can be a regular that we know because we have to like steal ourselves for the encounter, you know, like pick which one you would like to be. All right, Avery, anything you want to promote? Anything you want to uh, send people to? Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's still in like very early days, so forgive me. But um, my website is rabbitholereviews.com. And right now, all it really is is a couple. I do um, every October on that and on my Instagram that goes with it. I do like a countdown for like Scream Queens and Kings. And this year I'm doing a countdown for uh, Christmas movies. So it's just it's going to kind of eventually evolve into like a pop culture, um, but a little bit maybe kind of like the kind of culty side, uh, little little unknown gem kind of things. Um, so, yeah, that would be nice to get at least get get your eye on it and it will it will uh, be blocked blossoming shortly very nice and that's a rabbitholereviews.com and um it's on instagram it's rabbithole underscore reviews and And then that has links to all my other social media and such and uh, just check my email here i just got a job offer from kotaku so that should be great so that's what i'll (laughs) awesome cool (laughs) very good all right guys be good to everyone and uh let's go play some video games thanks guys